Welcome back to Bond by Numbers, everybody. Thank you very much for joining us here. It is an exciting day. It is our second of three non-Bond installments for the series. And today, it's all about Jeff Chapman and his selection, Ronan, from 1998. How are you gentlemen doing before we get started? How's it been the last few weeks? Uh, it's been okay. Uh, not much has changed. I mean, you know, I'm still uh, doing the social distancing and uh, working from home and just living, living the vida loca. Living the living la vida low key is more living like la vida low living key. la vida low key. Yeah, I was gonna say my life's nothing like that video. Nothing like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that came out in '98 as well, actually. Where's the fact check? Where's the leather? Yeah, we're like, yes, Scott. Where's the leather pants and all that kind of stuff, I know. right? I know. Why oh, are you looking boy. at me? You can put them on yourself, Josh. You're a bachelor. I'm not even wearing oh. pants right now, so I don't care. Ah, <laughs> well, there you go. Great. Such is life in these in this new whole Zoom. Skype right, meetings. Yeah. People don't have to wear pants. Exactly. Uh, a bit, but a first, uh, like to make a note that it is Father's Day, so we like to it have is, a shout yes. out to all the fathers. Shout out to all the fathers. And, and obviously, uh, Scott here as well as a father of two. Happy Father's Day, so Scott. Happy yes, Father's thank you very Day, much, guys. So it's been an early start for me. Uh, Kitties did a nice. Uh, a nice little gift presentation this morning and oh, very, nice. very pleasant and i think i'm getting uh, a meal made for me tonight but you know nice. when, when your kids are both under five it's it's a lot of the effort coming from mom you know so that's it's, true it's really a thanks to mom for organizing and for you know looking out all this stuff but yeah she gets her own back when mother's day rolls around but it's not. But I Did think Sarah it's managed also... to get cod tongues. No, she didn't get any cod tongues for me, unfortunately. So, <laughs> our uh, good Newfoundland. Uh, yeah, that's supper. That taste of Newfoundland will be displaced, I'm afraid, by uh, a chicken curry tonight, maybe. Oh, go. very good. Mm-hmm. It, it it actually worked out quite nicely because you know, I mean, Father's Day, Sarah's father's here too, so she can take the kids over to see uh, Papa for a couple hours and give this this father a couple hours to relax and this is relax for me this is a break for me so i appreciate i appreciate this as a father's day present getting the time to chill with you guys yeah and then afterwards and then afterwards you can uh you know find the principal and get into an audi and uh, drive around and stuff like that well it's a thought it's a (laughs) thought Mm. but the real question is what color is the boathouse at here for dark red (laughs) (laughs) i don't know I'm gonna say pink because that was the that was uh, the pink slip that uh, Spence got after that whole yeah. spiel. Mm. He got he got axed. He did. He did get axed. Yeah. And we'll we'll talk about, a... we'll talk about Sean Bean's involvement mm. in this film because it's it's rather curious. I think. Yeah, yeah that's the thing He's... I'm a little surprised with. It was how they chose him and everyone else, but mm. why? Anyways, but yeah, we'll talk. Anyways, about that. we will. Well, once again, everybody, thank you for joining in with Bond by Numbers. It is indeed our second of three non-Bond film reviews that we're going to do throughout. Last time, we had Josh's Mission Impossible, which uh, Mm. we really enjoyed reviewing, even if we didn't all see it quite the same way. We respected (laughs) it, didn't we? We respected it as part of the the non-Bond franchising sort of efforts. And here, Mm -hmm. we got a standalone, not a franchise at all, but you might be able to argue, Jeff, that Ronan informed some franchises that were to come or were to redevelop. I would agree. Um, yeah, I would agree with that. I'll, 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 I'll sort of give my take on that, obviously, later on. Um, but uh, yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. I think it's a, it's a strong film, and it's one of those ones. Like again, I, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse with me saying this, but 
would I watch a film, you know, even though this movie is 22 years old, I could still watch it and appreciate it when it came out, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think that it's, it, I think it holds up actually quite well. Whereas I think when I watched, um, last time we watched the original Mission Impossible film to start the franchise, the film franchise, watching it again recently, I, it didn't hold up as well to me. Uh, it didn't, we'll did it? Yeah. yeah. Mm. We will. Josh, um, or Jeff, I hope I'm not stepping on your toes here, buddy, when I go on to kind of, because I'm certainly not going to introduce this. This is your baby, (laughs) and I'm really looking forward to it. But I just wanted to say that, Josh, you remember at the end of our last show when we were talking about, you know, we're going to move on to this, and you had had said that you thought that maybe you and I saw this on VHS or uh, up at your place, but it it wasn't VHS. I remember now that this film we watched uh, in Canada when I visited you, but we watched this on DVD and I did, uh, yeah, you're, you're I, right. You're I did right. a little bit of research guys. And Jeff, I don't know if, if you got any of this information. That was one of the first DVDs that I got actually. I th- it well, was, it, one, it of was my... one of the first DVDs released full stop with like special oh. features and stuff like that. Because I remember he, that yeah, DVDs didn't go, uh, DVDs weren't actually on sale. Like the, the machines on sale in, uh, in America until, um, in North America until 1997. That's right. And so... Yeah, you're right. That's Ronan, right. Ronan was one of the first that, that kind of got a proper director sort of involvement because Frankenheimer did like interviews and all sorts of stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I now understand that muddiness I had in my mind before about the whole VHS transfer thing. We never saw it on VHS. We watched it on DVD and you yeah. had it. And it was it was quite cool. I remember us watching that, you know, down in the in the room there. Oh yeah, down in that and that my sister, which is now my sister's uh, office studio or office whatever it is studio, there yeah. now. I I definitely had it on VHS and I watched uh, I watched a lot, yeah. So I mean, I, I would have watched it, I guess, in '99, I guess, but uh, or but anyways, yeah. I definitely, I'm pretty sure I got it used at Blockbuster. If we if we keep the whole Blockbuster. Uh, <laughs> Feel going out, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> oh, by, by the way, look before we, before we go on with that. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just had to. Mm-hmm. I, I got to give the thanks to people who commented nicely on that. Oh so yeah, we did absolutely. have we did have a lot of fun doing that. And mm. you know, if we had if we had extended our rental lists for each bond out to five or, or six or seven, I mean, yeah, we could have gone deeper and had more fun with it. Oh, yeah. But it was sure. good, and we're, we're really glad that you enjoyed it because we had a ball doing it. Oh yeah, it was it was a great time. Uh, I will say, I will say too, going back to Blockbuster. Actually, my the first time I saw Ronin, I bought it in the previously viewed section on VHS at Blockbuster. Okay, yeah, cool. Well, you got you had you got a DVD of it. I know that because by the time I oh, got up there, that's what oh, we were watching. I I replaced a lot of like my favorite movies with DVDs, so yeah. it doesn't surprise me. And then you had a garage sale and got rid of them all. Yeah, a lot the of DVD, them. The DVDs, yes. Yeah. 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 Cool beans. Well, look, gents, why don't All we right. just why don't we just get into this, uh, Jeff? This is your stage to set and your stage to yeah. spin. So uh, over to you. Double All the world's a stage. Perfect. information here so um the director is john frankenheimer he's a uh, it's, it's funny i haven't seen a whole lot of his films but he's very very accomplished uh and he he did a lot of work early on in his career a lot of television and i, I like 
from 54 all the way to 60, he was just doing like TV series like uh, Climax, uh, Danger, um, a lot of just sort of, and a lot of play, um, sort of like those kind of showcase shows where it's kind of like, tune in, and it's like the show's name is like the sponsor, but he had a lot of, there was a show called Climax, which I'm not familiar with, but he was on it, but he did film it for a couple of years. But he, he seems, uh, I mean, he didn't have a lot of Academy Awards. He was nominated, but he seemed to have a lot of, uh, he had a lot of Emmys for his television work. Yeah, he did. He, he, he certainly had a lot of nominations. Just looking at it here yeah. now, you're absolutely right. The, the first one he won was in 94, but he had a lot of nominations before that mm. for things he did. Like you're mm. saying, these sort of playhouse uh, uh, kind of episodic not episodic what are they well serial. it was almost like a serial like an, right. an anthology no more like an anthology series yeah because yeah. 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 a serial is like you're following a certain uh, storyline all the way through mm -hmm. right yeah whereas yes. yeah your serial is like today's kind of tv series mm -hmm. nowadays like yeah. your premium cable show right but mm -hmm. uh yeah it was more of an anthology kind of like american horror story that kind of that kind of stuff I'm okay right well he did yeah he did have the nominations and he won in 1994 uh for against the wall that was his first Emmy directing. So it seems like he probably had a like like in the maturing candidate in the train and going into the seventies and even the eighties, he had a bit of a film career doing like these spy films, these action films. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me then he kind of like in his later years he kind of went into directing television. That's what, well, that's that, what it, sort of, yeah. it looks like to me. What I kind of took away from this was that he's very much like uh, with the foot on the gas, like. Pun intended. He, you know, with a lot of what he did for um, the way he filmed and uh, action and, and, and car chases and, and just the cinematography and, and how he got things done, he he didn't like CGI stuff. Obviously, when he was doing a lot of this, there wasn't really much CGI going on, if any. Mm. But uh, a lot of the reenactments, he would have full scale like explosions and and uh, and battle scenes. Uh, and also, there's uh, Grand Prix, which um, it, I think it was 1966 and it just sort of revolutionized how they filmed like cars and races and stuff like that uh, and in fact one of the stunt drivers um, if I can get his name right here Jean-Paul Laguenet that gentleman uh, watched that and it inspired him and then he was uh, he ended up working with him on uh, on, on Ronin so it's it's interesting with with Frankenheimer because you can see that he he puts a lot of effort into his work and uh, Ronan is not no different. Uh, but what I find with Ronan and we'll we'll talk about this is that I, I find it's just uh, there's not a lot of bells and whistles in in this unless you're talking about the cars. In, in yeah. This film. yeah. <laughs> well, the one thing about Frankenheimer too is that like. He, a lot of the issues, and he worked with like a lot of uh, different like, writers and producers across Hollywood, right? And he was yeah. very interested in tackling different issues. Because if you look at his movie career, you go back to it, right? Like uh, all about social dramas and suspense mm -hmm. action and suspense Ooh. and action films. That yeah. was kind of his forte. Like mm -hmm. you got the Birdman of Alcatraz, right. the Manchurian Candidate, uh, the Train, as I mentioned. Train. I really good with Frank Sinatra of all people yeah that's right uh, he did the second French connection as well trying to capture Freakin's vibe right uh, oh, and right. Black well, Sunday of course right wasn't that a Black John Williams Sunday score it was an awesome film yeah I really like that the, the greatest thing about Black Sunday apart from the score which is fantastic is the idea of, of and, and the actuality of having filmed at the Super Bowl like getting the getting the NFL's permission to have that oh, terrorist yeah. story filmed during the actual it's not like they staged a football match the filming actually
actually took, a, took place above and during the Super Bowl, which was quite cool if you really think about live event, right, Captain? Yeah, exactly. And actually, yeah, I, I remember watching The Train years ago, and I actually really enjoyed it. I thought, it, actually, I really liked uh, Sinatra in that film. <laughs> didn't, didn't Sinatra also star in The Manchurian Candidate? He did. Yeah. yeah I thought so, yeah. So that's, and, and, there's a friendship yeah, there, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, I can see that happening. Well, the thing is, too, is that John Frankenheimer was a New Yorker from Queens. So yeah. I can uh, see how he, he might have easily known Sinatra and being in those circles and, you know, being all the people and the writers that he knew in the industry as well. Right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it, they, they call, I was reading that his style is very similar to Sidney Lumet. Uh, if you're ready, all right. Because he was also one of those actors, one of those directors, sorry, that tackled different issues in his movies. And he wasn't really like an, uh, had a, he kind of had like, he used different styles as well as different uh, producers and writers. So right. you couldn't quite peg him in a certain type of genre, I guess, auteur kind of aspect. Well, Dog, Dog Day oh. Afternoon, right? Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's a great film. Well, he did I Dog think... Day Afternoon, but he also did, say, for example, he did, uh, did oh, he also did Network as well. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, uh, okay. So you're saying that the, 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 because I'm, he cross pollinated, it's I'm tough to make him. It's tough, yeah. tough, tough to put him as an auteur because he had different stylistic yeah. interests. And I think, yeah, and well, I think you're right. Where uh, Frankenheimer is similar to that. Yeah. Mm. Um, right. So if we get sorry, if we're bringing it back to Frankenheimer and and Ronan, we'll I'll, I'll jump into the film now. So the original budget was 55, and the total box office after everything was said and done was 70.7 million. So that's modest. Okay, it made uh, some money. It made some money, uh, and again, if you also with the reviews and that kind of stuff, it it was modest reviews. There was some good, some bad. Everyone talked about the car chases, or you know, yeah. um, but again, it it was uh, the 11th highest grossing movie of 1998, and I think it was also release at the same time as Rush Hour. Okay. Uh, which would have been a kind of a hard one to, to go against. Which of, did, so, didn't you select Rush Hour for one of the, or was it Josh <laughs> that selected it for, for one of the Bonds to watch? Did. I think it was Roger Moore. So they, I think. <laughs> <laughs> okay, right. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, what's interesting is the original release of Ronan was actually at the Venice Film Festival. Yes, so that's, right. that's that's kind of neat. Yeah, right. that would have been a nice place to watch that film. So lukewarm, um, lukewarm critical reception. Or yeah, lukewarm. Uh, uh, the tomato meter gives it sixty-seven percent. So that's, right. I mean, Rotten yeah. Tomatoes is it can be pretty tough. Yeah, um, the I, think audience, that's, I think it's a pretty yeah. fair score. It's much, it's better, it, better than some it, of the Bond ones. That's for sure. Yeah, it, it, it's true. Um, the audience score is eighty percent. So you know that's mm-hmm. that's okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Roger Ebert. Uh, actually gave the movie three stars and Roger Ebert is actually quite a big fan of uh, Frankenheimer um, I noticed that there's a, he's actually given him quite a few uh, nods uh, and, and acclamations throughout cool. his uh, career as a director uh, but he did kind of have a couple of notes and, and kind of jokes about it because he said it's it's pretty silly and he was saying that my guess inside the briefcase is the briefcase from Pulp Fiction <laughs> that's what Roger Ebert said so that's why I was laughing because he even said like it's the perfect McGovern as defined by Hitchcock he said that I enjoyed the film on two levels for its skill and its silliness the actors are without exception convincing in the roles and the action makes little sense 
Hmm. Uh, so that's you know fair enough. Yeah, but he but, he also said, didn't he, of Mission Impossible that it was important to enjoy the the moment, the in the instant you have to be with that film. So I'm guessing that he's okay with with a bit of exaggerated or hyperbolic action for the sake of enjoyment. He he does seem to be a populist writer when it comes to that sort of that sort of thing in cinema, doesn't he? He he, yeah. he allows it the suspension of disbelief that it's looking for. Yes, exactly. Cool. The principal photography was only 78 days. That's not very long, eh? Not really, no. But I guess be- because they were because they were geographically so condensed, you know, that they could maybe get... Because they're all one country. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm guessing they, and the, they could do it all quickly, you know? Yeah. But also, they would have to. I'm thinking you, you can't block off the city blocks, you know, as many weeks as you want to. you you got to pay for all of that sort well, of Well, that's disruption. the thing. That's why, actually, yeah, with the, the car chase... Um, they had to do it in five hours like the main wow. one like the the bmw one because they didn't they can the states you can like block off streets for like days he's like you couldn't do that there yeah and then so they had to like literally they had five hours to do it wow. and they, they they practiced the day before and then on the sunday they they had five hours to do everything which is impressive that is impressive <laughs> yeah. But I guess if you've got multiple cameras shooting from different angles, you know, you, you can get enough stuff to go back and play in the editing room, right? Yeah, and one of the the one where the car flips over, like Deirdre's thing, where they edit it to go over the side, it didn't actually do that. Hmm. And so they just had to, like, figure out a way to edit it because it was too hard because they had to get a whole other car, right? And cool. <laughs> so that we don't have time. Very cool. I do like the idea of the title, and apparently the writer actually was um, oh, it's J.D. Zeich. Oh, I had his name here. He was uh, inspired by Clavel's Shogun, which would explain, you know, probably uh, the, the Ronin idea. Um, but uh, obviously, um, I actually have the Webster's Dictionary of Ronin, and then obviously at the beginning of the film, when we watch the film, there's sort of the the description of it as well. But the the Webster's Dictionary um, is uh, a vagrant samurai without a master, but also a Japanese student who has failed a college entrance examination and is studying to take it again. <laughs> okay. One of these things is not like the other. That's right. Yeah. However, I've heard, though, that, uh, you know, both are very, very stressful um, occupations. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine uh, there would be both. I... Uh, but, um, yeah, so um, so with Ronin, and I, I really like the title because if, you know, even if you're not familiar with what Ronin is, obviously that's why they give you that little backstory at the beginning, or at that uh, that little. It's more, blurb. more like in the, it's more like in the um, well, they get the blurb at the beginning, and then they give you that, of course, exposition sort of exposition. scene. Exposition with uh, mm-hmm. Michael with Michelle Onsdale later on. Exactly, which uh, I was re- reading a couple of the reviews saying like, was it needed again? Like it was kind of yeah, like I, but... I, I'm wondering that Jeff actually yeah, because it, yes. It... <sighs> It's I know kind of, it's kind of inferred, and you don't really. It, it is. Kind of it is, go into and I. Detail of it. I agree. Like, and I, I enjoy. Uh, I enjoy Drax as much as the next person, and I enjoyed that scene um, of him making the the miniatures. But I feel like the exposition of that wasn't really needed. But that's just me. So if we get into the plot of of Ronan. Uh, again, I really like this film. It's one of my f- favorite sort of espionage films in the last 20 years. Um, and I'm, I'm probably going to keep saying this, but it, it's a very sort of straight-ahead, um, 
no no real bells and whistles like I said before uh, it but it's 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 a good espionage film and and again the whole reference to Ronan it shows this kind of rogues gallery of people sort of it looks like they're sort of aged operatives from you know both sides of the playing field if you will east west or you know the good guys and the bad guys whether it's you know a terrorist organization or or an intelligence organization mm-hmm. for the west but it looks like they're sort of you know they're technically retired quote unquote mm-hmm. but they're still you know they still need money and they only kind of know one thing right and so that you kind of get that feel and, and with the beginning of the film you, you know it's in it's in uh paris and montmartre and you see this uh see this guy in a trench coat and a and a beret walking down the street and you're like oh it looks like a frenchman it's robert de niro so you know he's not unless you've never seen robert de niro before <laughs> and you just see him sort of walking around um you know and uh sort of checking out this little bistro and, uh, and then it shows the beast and it shows uh, a couple other people. And it, it's kind of, there's some tension, right? You see these people kind of looking like, yeah. maybe, maybe, uh, Scott, you've been to Paris. Uh, maybe maybe the, the the cafes and the, and the, and the little bistros <laughs> are like that because I've heard they're not yeah. exactly well, all. They are. You know, My, uh, a friend of mine warm. was in Paris and he actually went to, he, he, he loves the movie Ronin. And he went to that, I took a picture. Oh, really? And he went. To that, yeah, he took a picture of that cafe, like where they oh, nice. like, all down the stairs, that whole area. Yeah, nice. It's one it's of like the main. Sub- it's one of the main districts in Paris. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think the guillotine, like when they were during the French Revolution, I think that's where they had all the, uh, uh, ex- like the executions on the scaffoldings on the guillotine. So what you're saying is that staircase? A lot of heads rolled down that staircase. No, because that would be on the <laughs> scaffold, not, not, not uh, okay. the staircase. <laughs> Imagine if they those heads rolled all the way down. That would that'd be quite quite the quite the piece that would be a that would be a long ride um okay well getting back so the plot is basically uh we start off in the in the bistro and we have sort of a, a group of uh what it looks like is people meeting up and it's kind of there's there's some tension and people are sizing each other up. It's one of those things like is this a meet? Is this a hit? We don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like and, that. I, I did like that. Well, yeah, that's fine. That's fine because as the audience, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know something's going to happen. But it's nice because you're not like, well, this is obviously going to be a hit. Yeah. And like, I yes, guess, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do see a gun. We do see Robert De Niro put a gun there. So we're like, maybe something's going to happen. But it's nice to see that nothing did happen. He was just sort of like. You know, surveying the the situation, and I like that. He was that. using his spycraft for the situation, yeah. and that establishes Which, what what they do and what what, what this is about, right? Exactly. It's, uh, it, 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 it gives a little mystery to the characters, a little bit of intrigue, and kind of you know, it uh, whets the appetite for uh, what's to come. Like, what are all these people meeting exactly. up for? What's going to happen, right? I agree and, with you, but I, I I think the guys that if I mean if we're going to talk about the scene for a moment, I feel like yeah. the filming of that in that opening that introduction, I feel like the filming of it capturing through the windows as you're saying, Jeff, and like are they all judging each other? They're all kind of looking and tapping the tables and having their fake drinks and all this stuff. Like I felt like the way the camera worked, you know, because you're getting rather wide perspective on things and these kind of rectangular windows, you see the the faces look and turn and and yeah. he moves. I, I felt like that did it. I didn't think we needed yeah. to have so much focus on the gun being hidden that that no. kind of that kind of took me out of it a little bit actually because i yeah. felt like de niro he almost looked like an amateur the way he was kind of looking to drop this gun and so much was made about the gun being hid and then when you find out why it was there just so he had a safe exit it's kind of like 
kind of like a bit of a letdown. Like you were hoping for something more exciting with the gun being there. You know, it's it's almost like you're seeing like uh, the the magic trick, like how 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 the magic trick works before you see the magic. That's that's a good way to describe it. And yeah. you know what, Josh? I mean, you're right, buddy. And just hearing you say that make me think that that opening is a lot like the film with the case. It, the gun's a MacGuffin, exactly. right? Like the, the gun, camera, the camera's the making us look at the gun, and the film uh, as it opens up is going to make us follow that case. Oh, I, mean, I was thinking back. I was thinking back to you know to Mission Impossible Three, where there, where the, there's there's a, there's a literal MacGuffin is the main plot of the movie called the Rabbit's Foot. Oh yeah. And then I then I then, and so I was thinking of that when I was watching Ronin and the whole idea of the principal with that case and mm-hmm. we don't know what's in that case. It's it's, it's about is what is it with the '90s and mysterious cases? Yeah. Well, the case of the mysterious case. Well, that's the thing. Um, actually, because in it one doesn't of the... matter because. Uh, that's what they're saying is that like the MacGuffin is just what's getting these guys working together and doing their thing so we kind of get a kind of a a view of their characters and what they're doing and that's what Frankenheimer said when he when he accepted the movie because he really liked Mm. the script and how it was more character based than other action movies and he was more interested in that he said that's why he took it that's why you know he got like David Mamet to help Zyke out and all that sort of stuff with the script right exactly that is indeed correct it was actually Mamet who added in, uh, like, the uh, love interest for De Niro. Yeah. Uh, I think it's kind of, like, uh, a little superfluous for the movie, in my opinion. But. Now, I, you, you can correct me on this, Jeff, okay? Because I didn't probably probably didn't look into it as much as you did. But I, um, uh, I kind of th- I, I thought that Frankenheimer got in a bit of trouble for essentially saying that this is out and out a Mamet script. That this was not... <laughs> You know, this this had nothing to do with the story as it was scripted out by J.D. Zelka. Had nothing to, like that was the story, but the script was entirely Mamet. And I think when he said that, didn't he get in a bit of trouble or or, or like did people yeah. shun him a bit or something? Well, yeah, that's the thing. The, there was uh, yeah, it was in '98. Uh, he later said uh, to in Variety, he said the story of his denial of sharing the screenwriting script with Zeke was false. Uh-huh. Oh, uh, right, okay. And he said that J.D. Zyke is unequivocally entitled to the first position screenwriting credit as well as the sole story credit. He award, he was awarded by the WGA. Mamet said that said. or Frankenheimer? Yeah, sorry. Um, that's what Frankenheimer said. Okay. Uh, right. Yeah. Hmm. But no, you're right. That's right. Um, so obviously at, at the end of that scene, they all sort of – eventually meet up get in the van and then go to that warehouse and sort of that's again where they kind of size size each other up and sort of do the introductions again and then um they kind of this is where the team kind of assembles what's well, interesting is this is where you meet spence and this is where well, played by sean exactly. bean and this hmm. is also where you meet gregor played by stellan skarsgård and that's exactly exactly so this is where we have uh you know the cast the cast of characters and um and it's quite uh, so you have robert de niro as sam who uh is an xcia operative again a lot of these things are sort of assumed because yes. they, they don't really say a lot and yeah. and i i i both appreciated that and uh did not appreciate it but uh, whatever um jean reno was just he was considered like a gunman so you figure he was either we don't know if he's good or bad. We just know that he was a an aged French gunman, I guess. There's a lot uh, of indications though that Renault's character was someone I don't I don't think enjoyed the life that he was doing anymore. I think no. he was a very yeah, retrospective yeah. person. Oh and no! I yeah. kind of feel in the end this is a hot take. I almost felt like almost Vincent, and because he gets that final narr- an actual voiceover narration at the end of the movie, I actually yeah. think that he was like the main character. 
Because you think that Robert De Niro is the main character all the way through. You think Sam is mm. the main character. He's the Ronin. He's the masterless samurai, right? But in the end, he was working for his master the whole time. So, yeah, that's ah. true. That's true. But so the that, whole thing kind of collapses. Twist. Yeah, the whole thing kind of collapses on itself. The whole idea of the Ronin win. But then you realize, oh wait, maybe it was Vincent the whole time. Hmm. And the whole thing about you know Sam being told about the Ronin is a little bit of a twist because maybe uh, because you because well. that speech is more meant for Vincent than it is meant for Sam. Because Sam, it's kind of sad because. Mm-hmm. He is still working in the organization. He is still the one yeah. that's like, yeah. And what, and, and when you think about that ending too, I don't know if anyone agrees with this, but right. in terms of the structure, if you're looking at Sam as a covert operative within that uh, group that Deirdre hires, or the man in the right. mm-hmm. puts together, Sam had Deirdre picked as the weak one from the very beginning. And in a way, he kind of seduces her. He knows that she's like some idealist mm. uh, Irish girl who got caught up in Seamus's bullshit. Yeah. And then, yeah. and, and that's how, and that unfortunately, that also kind of weakened her as a character very quickly as well. It's well, like, you know, I, Natasha Milconi put in that whole, like, I'm a tough Irish girl all the way through the whole movie, right? But yeah, I think part, the other part of that is like, I think because she was clearly the youngest person there, I think that was also kind of like, you could see them, they would probably, if that's, if they were all sort of operatives, they would probably try to like maybe zoom in on the youngest person because obviously they wouldn't have, I mean, oh, you shouldn't assume, but they would probably, they wouldn't have the tradecraft or they wouldn't have the experience or, um, you know, they just wouldn't have, they're just the overall experience. They wouldn't have been in, in that world for that long. So they either wouldn't have been as jaded or have, or just know all the different types of situations. So it's I could definitely see any any one of them, including Spence, try and uh, you know uh, maybe yeah. pressure um, Deirdre. Yeah, I'm very happy for Deirdre because in the end, she, you know, well, I don't know about happy, but she had some semblance of peace when she uh, fled to America afterwards and uh. then uh, married Hank Moody. Uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going somewhere with that, but hey, there we go. Uh, no, yeah. that's okay. But I was going to say, um, though, too, is that, like, around that, like, I think casting Natasha McElhinney for that role, I think it was a uh-huh. good casting. Just uh, Now, I don't know if it turned out well in the story, but I think she could, I'm not, I'm not saying that she's, like, she's a very, very beautiful woman, even back right. then. But what yeah. I'm trying to say is that she has this hardness kind of look to her that I think was she for did. the casting. So I oh, think yeah. she could have pulled off someone who was a little, who, could, who may not be as young as she looked. You know what I mean? Uh, oh, but yeah. in, those, in those early scenes though, guys, like I, I didn't feel as though she held the trust of those men. No. Uh, as no. the, as, as the connection. It was, it was like, it, there was a, she was like, they weren't trusting her. Like it was by a thread yeah. And, yeah. and she was, and you could tell because then she was seeing how they were, how Sean B like how, how Spence was just f- full of shit and everything he said out of his mouth was really pissing off yeah. the rest of the guys because yeah. they're all they're, you know because they're all like veterans and they all know how it's going and and he's just saying a lot of really stupid stuff so like, she's just go to a pub and find him like how, like where the heck well, did they in mean. a wheelchair find sean bean like just he was yeah. just having a random drink at a pub and as usual and then and, and they got him is that what happened well that's and that's my point is that you can see deirdre see how they're how they're reacting to him to yeah. him and so and she's just she's doing a really good job of just keeping her mouth shut and just sort of observing right because you could see the smirk on her face when he ambushes Sean or like Sam ambushes uh, Spence with a cup of coffee and and yeah. all this kind of stuff so and I like that whereas you could see that she's clearly the youngest here and she's got an agenda but she's actually doing a good job of, of keeping her like her own opinion 
on things tight-lipped because that's her job like she's just she's putting up a front that's for sure but yeah uh even the whole even the whole thing when like after the whole you know thing with spence you know we're 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 pretty much sam like uh outs them as like an amateur and stuff like that uh and uh and so like gregor is like so what color is the boat has the hero for doc and he's like Mm -hmm. how the fuck should i know and there's a look of embarrassment man on on on, on deirdre's face right she realizes that like that's my point instantly that's her making a connection i gotta make sure that i'm i have this guy on my side Damn, exactly that's yeah. what he's like he's the, and, he's the smart guy in this group for sure and she he definitely even, doesn't fucking trust gregor no I mean, no not at all are you right i mean that's well, the that's, whole thing altogether. well the other thing and i noticed this i don't know if you guys noticed this too but um when in, in the scene when when the confrontation with sam and spence uh, you can see Deirdre in the background. Now, she's actually out of focus, but you can still see her body language and and the, almost the look on her face. Like, uh, I sort of see how uh, Sam is, like, how he's, you know, he's baiting and, and trying to, you know, get under Spence's skin to see what he's going to do. But you can actually see her body language change and just sort of see, like, how it's going. And I like that. I don't know if you guys notice that at all but like... i suppose it depends on how much good faith you want to invest in that you know because you you could look at it and say natasha mcelroney you know she, she does she does a good job of of acting naive or not naive sorry of acting of acting lesser uh of acting a little more timid a little uncertain yeah and and that's deliberate because it's showing us that or that you know that's Frankenheimer directing her that way to show that she doesn't actually have full control in this situation. She herself no. is a pawn. So to show her as a younger uh, among this group as also being quite like you're saying, Jeff, hanging on a thread in terms of trust. You could yeah. say that that's all a really good performance on her part, but yes. equally, you equally you could say that she's miscast. It all depends on how you want to say it. Like, yeah, and exactly. I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. Um, Perspective. Okay. If you, want, so, if you want to give credit to the film, you go with the first interpretation that this is exactly what Frankenheimer yes. wanted in that role. You wanted someone yeah. who was naive and everything. Right? Yes, and I, exactly. And I think, and I think the, the conversation that we're having right now is exactly <laughs> with Ronan and just sort of how sort of like there's sort of that vagueness of of things. Or the, yes. This is how it does breed conversation. Mm-hmm. And that's another reason why Josh, I think Josh and I have, have really enjoyed this film over the last, like, you know, 20 years and how we always kind of go back to it and talk about talk about it. Because, again, w- with that sort of those these little things that we can you can always just sort of pick upon and just sort of discuss. And, yeah. you know, who knows what I love right about Ronan is the uh, is just the world. What I think it does the best, I think it's just the world building. And that's what pulls me back to it all the time. Mm. Like, yeah. It really displays a cutthroat espionage world, and Frankenheimer, with all the technique that he uses in the film, he does that very well. Yes. It has like that '70s film style to it that uh, that doesn't feel like a rest of Hollywood productions, you know, like not like mm-hmm. a, for example, like a James Bond movie, for example. Yeah, it's I agree just with a cut, that. A cutthroat, he, ruthless he world. You doesn't see like CGI. Yeah, you see pedestrians like being gunned down mercilessly in the middle of these firefights, which realistically would happen. Like, yeah, and there, yeah, yeah. With these firefights in the middle of Nice, like on the news, you know, this would be on the freaking news, you know what I mean? If, mm-hmm. I, in yeah, these cases, sure. like, and people being spot on and, and stuff. And uh, yeah, I, I just feel that, like, yeah, this be, you know, mm-hmm. been on plot. Uh, it has some interesting, intriguing yeah. characters that we get kind of glimpses of, but not quite go, we don't go too deep. And I don't think the movie right. really wants to, but I yeah. think in a way, it kind of makes it a little hollow too at the same time. 
But it sounds right. it sounds like we're kind of doing our money penny. So why why don't we just let Jeff get on with the plot summary? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry, yeah. guys. Uh, sure. The team gets together. Um, Andrew Drew kind of gives them the rundown of, uh, you know, the man with the wheelchair. Who, again, this vague person who got them all together. Um, and then there's a there's a briefcase that they need to get. Blah blah blah. That's the mission. And uh, and obviously. Um, they have there's a couple other things that happen where they have to go get the arms and then that uh and then obviously there's a, a shootout that ensues and a chase that ensues yeah that uh, because, scene is necessary to kind of oust to oust sean beans kind of exactly just to show exactly uh and then after that scene just showing how he's very sort of like uh he's got a you know itchy trigger finger and he's he's uh you know, the kind of person you don't want to have on your team. I don't think he spent very much time in the regiment. If he did, he was probably just, you know, spilling coffee in the, the that clubhouse. Plan, that plan <laughs> about, like, Gomer Pyle. The two cars, like, the two shooters, the two so shooters in, in the cars, like, wow. Like, I think they really ham-fisted that. Like, they could have kind of found yeah. another way to make him look yeah. hot. And, and I, that was just, like, ridiculous. Like, that, how could that guy possibly be taken seriously, you know? like Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> anyways well, this, yeah. comes, this comes back to the question we were just having and again i don't want to get too far into the acting side of things yeah. but if we're going to oh, look yeah, at yeah. if we're going to look at natasha McElroy's performance and say a and b then you got to look at sean bean and say why sean was that bean, performance so. allowed to, to make that final cut like yeah what, what, like is it just an opinion to say he's over the top and completely dumb in there or is that necessary because that's another way of showing how the real leader of this group is de niro's character uh, yeah, that's what. It, Again, that's, though, that's, either way, it's ham-fisted. It is kind of ham-fisted to is. me. It yeah. is. You're right. Um, so, after that scene, which again is important because it, it, it eventually leads to the the oosting of Sean B's character, uh, and then basically uh, it shows Seamus, uh, who Jonathan Price. Uh, yeah. We're seeing the man behind Deirdre now, right? That's what we get exactly. That's Seamus. Yeah. And so it shows, you know, who who her superiors are. And they basically explain, like, you know, now there's an urgency of what's going to happen. There's going to be, you know, um, a meetup. And uh, so they have to figure out what's going on. Then they have to, uh, there's going to be a, they have to go to Nice. And then there's, uh, you know, the Russians are, are going to try and, and purchase it, all this kind of stuff. I have to say one of the be- one of the, the better scenes in the film is, is the reconnaissance uh, that they did in, in the hotel. I really mm. like that. That was I great. Was- I really like the way yeah. they got those pictures. And I, I yeah. imagine that that's really, really how cool. you would work it, yeah. right, if you needed that's that. That's right. Yeah, also, I, I, I really liked this Much little... Much better than just finding... Oh, the Russians are at the ice rink. Anyways, never mind. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> no, no, you're right. Yeah, yeah. Where else would they be? Yeah, like, of course. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, what would have been really good is if they were totally, like, paying the French judge. <laughs> that's that's why they're at the oh. that's why they're at the ice rink. <laughs> that's you, Jamie Sully. <laughs> oh well. Oh man. At least we're not uh, bitter, right? At least we're not bitter. No, no, no not no. at all. Not at all. Um, <laughs> but I, I I liked that whole part when he put the sign against the the luggage thing, and then was taking the photo to see how they react, like a gunshot, and just see how the team works. That was that was great. Yeah, really, like that, him, put, him putting the sign there, showing how the spycraft works, is much better than him putting the gun behind the crates at the beginning, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, yeah, it, it was a little more creative there. Um, and then, obviously, um, I, I kind of like the little uh, 
their little uh, apartment sort of hangout there. I like that that little. Uh, it was very cozy. Mm. Uh, and I like, uh, I like Skip Sudet's character. He sh- he shows I up did with, too. Like, with I did like too. that uh, big like he comes up with the groceries right. He seemed yeah. like a nice he seemed like a nice guy like in the group or whatever because he was just the driver. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so yeah, he seemed like he's a good hired. guy, Larry. Yeah, Larry. Larry. Yeah, yeah. Larry. It's, that's such a driver name. Like it's like perfect. <laughs> he's American. It's like Larry the driver. It's perfect. Yeah, he uh, used to be on a show called Third Watch. Uh, Third on, Watch. Uh, he was on, great. On he was a cop. Television. I was really, a cop, yeah. I really, really liked his character. So, and that also, um, the, you know, anyways, it shows the time because that this was actually before he was on Third Watch, just shortly before that show started, I think. But uh, anyways, um, as, as we go with the plot again, um, you know, they eventually go to Nice and uh, this is where they actually steal the, the case. To right? intercept the principal, the guy who had the case. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, Mr. The Clean. Big bald, the big bald dude, Mr. Clean. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Lex Luthor, I don't know. What, what, yeah, Lex, you call exactly. Him. Exactly. And uh, again, uh, really, really good action. We'll get into the, uh, the car chases there were great. The Peugeot was nice. The engine sounds were amazing. Uh, really good action. I really like that shootout scene, too. Uh, it's actually, I'd have to say it has some of the best sound effects for a shootout. It, when I was listening to it, it, it reminded me, like, Josh and I always, we always, like, start to salivate whenever we watch that, that uh, shootout in uh, Heat. Oh, you yeah. know, the one on the freeway with, uh, yeah. oh, man, that's got, that's that's a great uh, shootout. Uh, and I, also, it's all about, the sound, see... all about the sound design. That's what it's exactly. all about. And how often do you get to see Robert De Niro with like a squad automatic weapon with a box clip, just like spray, just spray a car in a French alleyway? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not very mm-hmm. often. Mm-hmm. Um, or, or ride from the or or ride from the sunroof with the bazooka, like on, yeah. on the highways, you know. In yeah. The, uh... <laughs> yeah, that reminded me of Back to the Future in the parking lot of the Twin Pines Mall. You know, that's yeah. what I thought. That's that the first little, thing like, I thought of. Yeah. little Volkswagen yeah. thing. Yeah, the terrorists yeah. had the, the, Lib- the Libyans. Yeah, the Libyans. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, anyways, I'm sorry. I mean, this is well. Yeah, this is. This was <laughs> always. This place. was always going to happen, man. Yeah. <laughs> this, this was always going to happen. <laughs> Um, so once we see that and, uh, and then, but the interesting thing here is, uh, with, with Gregor, which we actually haven't talked too much about is he's kind of, he was one of those, he's one of the characters in the team where you're like, I'm not sure about him, but I think it's because we know that he was probably on the other side of the wall, the wall being, you know, mm-hmm. the Berlin wall. Uh, he was SKGB. We, Josh and I had always kind of guessed. We figured, like, it's, you know, it says he's SKGB. We figured he's probably GRU, military intelligence. If he's German, he could have been, like, uh, Stasi or, or something like that, too. But obviously, he looks older and, you know, he's not as, he looks like he's not as fit as he used to be because he's behind a desk. But, but he was you also noticed. He's running pretty fast in Arles, though. Like, he, when, yeah, that's <laughs> the thing. He's running pretty fast and he's still got, and he still has his, um, his reflexes, right? And that was cool. They died hard. Sam. Exactly. And, and you see Sam kind of size him up and, and do these kind of little things to check everyone, which I also really enjoyed. Again, I got to say, I really enjoyed um, De Niro in this role. I mean, we're getting into the, the money pennies now, but I, it's a different role. But I also feel that, that De Niro did a really good job in this type of role. I, I would I would have loved to see him in a sequel, but I don't know what the sequel would be like. I'm just saying, like, I appreciated Sam, the CIA operative, whoever he is. 
So I um, think I think maybe Frankenheimer like thought about a sequel, didn't he? Because the, well, there, there were two. There were alternate. two. There was an yeah. alternate ending that the, the the screen test just did not like at all. Yeah, exactly. And I and from what what um, Frankenheimer said is that he kind of, it, you know, it's kind of like well, the people that are paying me, I, I better sort of like do a bit of both, like. The, the audience didn't like one. The test audience didn't like one. And then, you know, <laughs> the big the big guys mm-hmm. didn't like the other one. So he's like, well, I guess I'll, you know, kind of do a, a sort of a marriage of both because, you know, <laughs> something like that. I reckon he just but, buckled to uh, – not buckle. I just think he gave the studio what, what they wanted, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Which is which was fine. But, you know, if I could just get back to something you were saying a oh, second ago about all these little things that Sam does to size up the rest of his team – it strikes me as though Ronan is a film that benefits greatly from from repeat viewing. Not necessarily like 10, yeah. 15 times to watch it, but I feel as though point, if I were to go back and watch this again, I'd pick up on more of these nuances that Frankenheimer yes. directed or that Mamet wrote into the screenplay. You're right. Because the dialogue is quite quite sharp and pointed too, isn't it? About yes, things. it is. And I think mm. that, um, you know, I and just think that's true. one of the things maybe that perhaps didn't, didn't allow it to to succeed in the cinema quite the same way is that it's a bit of a slow burn this film i mean it's got those great sequences but you're right and again i think and and i guess maybe that's another point uh thing uh it is a very valid point is that josh and i would watch this i used to watch even before i knew josh i would watch this movie all the time and josh and i and you know obviously when we we first became friends we you know obviously films was a big thing and we would we both appreciate the movie we would watch it all the time just like put it on because we just appreciate it or just put on like the chase scene it was just something we would watch so we we, it's always kind of been in the back of our head we know the movie very well we know a lot of the lines we still quote the the boat the boathouse at hereford all the time like even even you know that's a common like you know uh film you know um quote that Josh and I have been saying for the last like 20 years we just mm-hmm. we we just know it you know um uh so now, it's one of those there things there's a boathouse on this on the in in Hereford but I'm thinking because Hereford is on is on the sever is on the Severn isn't it it's kind of like in the marshes in the in the marches like between Wales and like um yes yeah. it is it's near the Welsh border Herefordshire yeah yeah it's the river Y, Josh why? Okay. Yeah, and that's so, the same river that goes through Tintern, um, where, of course, your friend and mine, Wordsworth, Wordsworth wrote, yeah, yeah, so, River Y, Tintern Abbey, awesome, yeah. cool. So the Severn, I don't know where the Severn is. No, this, the Severn is more in the that. south. It's more in the south now because that's like towards like <laughs> Cardiff and towards Bristol. So I, I got that mixed up. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Jeff. That has nothing to do with no, no, no. Yeah, sorry. It's just a sidetrack. It's okay. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so, so, we're, so we're talking about the car chase now. We're in. We're, we're, well, we're trying to we, accept the principle. Yeah. So uh, basically, eventually, the I mean, it was quite a quite a team effort with Gregor, like in the van uh, with the GPS, uh, Sam in one car uh, and Larry in the other. Uh, it was a very well organized, uh, you know, um, operation. Yeah. And then when they they crash into the the bistro in the car. And uh, and that poor and then, guy at the fruit stand. That's all I have yeah, to say. Yeah, yeah, I know, right? Ooh. He got smoked. He did. He did, man. Uh, he got smoked bad. And the guy on the bike as well. Yeah, there was a high wane. Boom. Yeah. Or was that the second chase? No. Uh, well, there was a poor guy in the tunnel in Paris. They got shot in the face, and his car crashed oh, into like a pillar. That, that yeah. was not. That was not a lot of collateral one. damage in this film. Yeah. Yes. Like, and, and is it true, Jeff, that we have about 150 stunt drivers in this movie? Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
Uh, and um, it's funny uh, if Remy you know, Julien was involved well, with this at all. It's funny you mentioned that, Josh, because Actually, I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I'm thinking about that scene from Live and Let Die that I like so much. You know, just bringing it back to Bond for a minute, where everything in New York City, right, is lined up, and they've got these sort of they've got this sort of uh, timed weaving thing going on when Roger Moore's car, is the taxi gets, you know, taxi driver gets shot, right, by Whisper yeah. and all that stuff, and everything looks really cool. And then, I mean, you multiply that by three hundred, and you've got what's going on in this film, right? And oh, absolutely. It's just it's it's funny to think that. Um, from one gun ch- from one chase to another you know just 20 25 years how much more adrenaline and octane is is just brought in and realism you know realism's brought well that's yeah. exactly and again uh i had mentioned I love this how they earlier the guns- uh sorry, sorry jeff oh no i was just gonna say that with the car if we're just gonna talk about the car chases um yeah, uh, well, I mean, we'll we'll talk about the countries a little bit later too. But uh, yeah, there was about a hundred, and it's one of those things where uh, all the drivers on the road were stunt drivers, very similar to Bullet, uh, and the main stunt driver and coordinator, uh, Jean Claude Laganet, the the driver who was driving for De Niro, um, he he has a pretty funny quote saying, "Compared to Ronan, Bullet was a kids' movie," which I thought was <laughs> funny because obviously he's talking about the car chases. And the year before this film. Uh, he had actually won. Oh, of course, now I forget. But he had won the 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 uh, uh, he won a race. Uh, it wasn't the Grand Prix, but it was something else. Oh my goodness, I'm totally going blank here. I had that. Um, but uh, he he's a very accomplished uh, stunt driver, and he was actually, if we're bringing it back to Bond, he was the a, he was a stunt double for Roger Moore in A View to a Kill. Oh, for the uh, sequence in Paris? Yeah, the Citroen. Yeah. The, the Citroen, yeah, the one that I oh, had. the Renault. It was a Renault. Uh, it was a the Renault, Renault. Yeah, the, the Renault. It's a Citroen yeah. in this film. De Niro, yeah. De Niro bazookas one Citroen, and then Larry yeah. jumps on the road and knocks the other one off. And then there's yeah. another. So that, that's basically, that, that chase has got three different Citroens, right? Because you've got De Niro in the Benz. And by the way, that Benz, Jeff and I were talking about it uh, yesterday. I love that 76 Mercedes, man. It is awesome. That brown it's leather great. interior. Yeah. It, yeah. uh, it reminds me, Josh, of the uh, Rolls-Royce in License to Kill. And I know the Rolls-Royce has got a classier lines and everything, but it, yeah. I, I love that I love that car in License to Kill, and I really like Ooh. this car in this one. Apparently it was Freakin's uh, – sorry, Freakin', sorry. Because I, I was thinking of the French Connection, French Connection 2s, Freckenheimer. Mm. Uh, <laughs> but um, apparently it was his favorite car. Uh, on set was oh really uh, yeah yeah he loved it was he like yeah. Cubby Broccoli did he have his own roles uh, <laughs> that I don't know but apparently um, uh, Jean Claude Laganet said he knew he knew uh, well the other thing is that uh, Laganet was asked to be the the new sort of stunt driver coordinator because he um, Frankenheimer didn't get along with the first crew and he literally fired them. And then he asked him on Saturday if he could do it for Monday. And he's like, okay, why not? Sure. Hmm. That's and, a good way to uh, endear yourself to a director. He was, yeah, exactly. And uh, But he was saying, like, he knew more about my crew than I did. And he knew, every, like, when any car was brought on set, he already knew the engine and the displacement. And he knew everything about every car. And uh, so, and it, it, I guess it shows because he, he knows how to do car chases and he knows how to film them. Mm-hmm. And you can tell even just like early on in Grand Prix, which is from what I saw, and I haven't seen the film. I've seen parts of it and I, and I know how important that movie is and how it sort of changed how uh, 
you know, racing and, and, and cars are filmed on, on film now is that how important it was. And that was uh, um, probably one of the most important films for uh, Frankenheimer, I guess. Mm-hmm. Is how, and, and so it shows that he still, uh, even in uh, his later years, here being in 98 compared to, I think, 66 for Grand Prix, is that he still... He doesn't. Uh, he doesn't hold anything back when it comes to it. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, so with these car chases, I wonder what he thinks of the Fast and the Furious movies. Well, you know what? Maybe. Well, he he unfortunately he passed away shortly after they started. So maybe yeah. that's a benefit for him. Yeah. Uh, fortunately, because <laughs> you don't see but, a lot of good car chases in action movies these days. You know, they're all well, like CGI yeah, practicles. That's like, the thing. I, I give like, credit there to are good car impossible. chases, but the majority of them are yeah. CGI, right? So yeah, that's why I still give kudos. Like that's why you know, again, I'll go back to the Mission Impossible franchise, especially the later films. Now they have some damn yeah. good car chases in those movies. They do. They do. Yeah. yeah exactly. I think um, I don't know. I mean, bring it back to Bond, though. I I I think that the James Bond series has got good car chases. Josh, we oh, did an yeah. episode on one sure. a couple months ago. Well, I think yeah, I think I mean, the Bond car chases are they're different to this. I mean, particularly yeah. if if we're looking at Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan, I mean, the car chases are not supposed to be like this. This this is a no. serious one. Those are those are more adventurous. They're a little more fun, tongue in cheek. It's supposed yes. to be a little more explosive than they are dramatic. Well, yeah, exactly. if you see what I mean. And uh, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think it I don't think we're comparing like I'm to not like comparing it. to the Bond films. I'm talking about just modern action films. Oh, I'm sorry. Days. Right. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, exactly. But I mean, we do uh, see, we do see, I mean, think about quantum quantum opens up with that incredible car chase. Say what you it want does, about its but, editing. But Foster's. Yeah. Yeah. That's Say what you want about the it, editing, it, but I mean, it, it, it's there. The action and speed is there. The, 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 you know, the cinematography is there. It just needed to be slowed down so that humans could look at it. Yeah, exactly. Yep. It's, it's there, but I'm saying is that like, it's, you don't see it a lot anymore. That's what I'm trying to say. All right. Well, Jeff, if, what what do you think? Yeah. Looking at, I mean, we got two car chases in this film, right? We mm-hmm. got the we got the Mercedes and the Audi versus the three Citroens, right? In yes. Nice and yeah. and and outside, and then we got the Parisian one where the Peugeot uh, is up against the BMW, right? And that's through Paris. Yeah, yeah. So, what what yes. are these? Which yeah. of these two do you prefer as a spectator? Well, okay, because I was always uh, a big fan of the Audi, but I think the best car chase is the bmw one uh going like in the tunnel because mm-hmm. that i mean that one was the biggest one the most production yeah. i believe yes i think you'd be um, right that by the way was nominated for an mtv movie award in 1999 as best i, I, I believe action it. best uh it was the best action sequence i believe yeah but it lost <laughs> it lost <laughs> to what actually i don't want to know yeah you're right you don't armageddon's destroying of new york oh. city by an asteroid no no no, 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 shut up. Are you serious? <laughs> Absolutely oh, true. Thank you, MTV, God. for another hit. <laughs> for oh, another great, man. Great, great, great decision there. God. Okay, that yeah. just... Wow. Well, yeah, at least they gave the MTV... <sighs> yeah, no, I got, I, got, I, got, I got nothing to say to that. There's no... I was no going to say, like, because I was just going to give you guys some information about that. They had... They literally had the... Usually you don't have the actors in the cars when they're doing these, but Frankenheimer's like... And, and the stunt uh, coordinator, the uh, Jean-Claude... Sorry, I was saying Jean-Pierre. It's Jean-Claude Lagunet. Uh, he actually had all the actors in the cars, and they were going over 100 miles an hour because he's like, if you don't have the speed... Yeah, it, it, it affects have the, the performance. Frame rates. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, right, so, frame rates, of course. And but this is what's crazy is that yeah. the person that's actually driving the car is at. They made it so it was at the back of the car. Okay. Yeah, like literally, 
there was a guy with a steering wheel on the back bumper and he was doing the driving like oh my god <laughs> what if de niro's in the front seat being like the Make guy the is he behind like he shot like, himself yeah yeah it's just like the, there's a guy like at the back like how the hell can he know <laughs> this turn yeah, exactly. Yeah, Bobby know. D had some constipated faces in this movie. <laughs> I think I really like that though, and I don't know. Yeah. I know that it kind of looked silly because he looked silly, like he looked really not in control, and obviously yeah. he wasn't. He but, wasn't. <laughs> but I liked I liked the fact that they did that to get a reaction from him. Now, whether that yeah. is his acting or whether he was actually like, because you can see the the rigidity with which he moves the oh, wheel yeah. is just like this way, which, that way, this way. I, which which I actually I actually like that. I I yeah, I, didn't I liked mind it that. too. I liked it too. Going and back, De Niro, De, De, uh, De Niro just said, "Thanks for keeping me alive." That's a quote. He said, <laughs> "No, he literally you could see him laughing and say like, yeah, thanks for keeping me alive.' Like, yes, he said that to the to the, uh, to the stunt driver." I, I wonder if uh, Ronan had taken off like it like it, which it didn't, but if it had. Would De Niro have done more of these kind of films? Like, would he have gone mm. in like a Liam De Ni- uh, Neeson That's, direction? Yeah, I don't know. Like, like a take. I don't think so. Really, he has a he has no. a really good deadpan. Like, I, I, when you think when I first saw the movie, I'm like Robert De Niro, really? Okay. Really? And, yeah, I know. And then you yeah. know, I was like, okay, yeah, this works, you know. But. Uh, I don't know. The the autumn of his career was kind of descending, and that's when he went yeah. into the sort of Streisand mode with Meet the Falkers and all that stuff. So, and yeah. analyze that. Kind of got himself. Analyze also, that. After that, he kind of got himself back in again, though. Like, uh, I would argue that I, I well, didn't. He, didn't he get into the sauce again? Wasn't he? Didn't he get back into substance abuse shortly after this? Like in the early two thousands, he kind of. He might have, yeah. Because I know, obviously, through the seventies and early eighties, he was he was part of that crowd with like Robin Williams and all those guys doing really hard drugs, and then I think he yeah, had gotten clean. Very Fisher and John and then, and, all. and then and then what's 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 interesting is that I think in the early two thousands, even like in like in his late fifties, early sixties, he got back into substance abuse, and it was a it was a, and I think only in the last like maybe decade or so, he's kind of. He's gotten out of, now again, fact checkers. But I thought that's that's what what had happened. Uh, so it could th- have happened is, after uh, Casino in '95. Perhaps after Casino, oh, it could have happened. Maybe, right? Yeah, yeah. it's possible too. I just well, think he's, he's got enough artistic integrity that he oh, yeah. wouldn't have wanted exactly. to sort of corner himself into one thing. And I'm exactly. not trying to argue for a second that because he did a film like Meet the Parents, that all of a sudden that's him done. I mean, I think he actually acted oh, yeah, really exactly. well in those films. And yeah. I mean, oh, Silver course. Silver Linings Playbook. He was awesome in that, that movie. That that was his big return, in my opinion, was Silver yeah. Linings Playbook. Absolutely. And then after that, and after that, he got a lot. He got he got better roles after that again. I think. Yeah, I don't think yeah. he would have been a sequel, doing... a knockoff sequel guy for films like this necessarily. I think no. he liked no. like doing the one that he felt keen. He felt the script. He felt the director. I think he felt the environment, and that was it. You know. I, yeah. I'm saying as as a as a fanboy, it would have been cool, but no, yeah, it, it yeah. wouldn't it wouldn't have worked. Like for him, if we're going like just for as an actor and like you know for his career, no, yeah, I know. There's no reason why he would do it. Let's keep on trucking. Um, one thing bye I bye think we should touch on though, and, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but one thing we you know before the knee sequence occurs is that we have Sam's character beginning to have a kind of relationship with Deirdre and is this both of them is this, is this Sam trying to play Deirdre and you know so that he gets into her confidence and is yeah, this I think also so. Deirdre yeah, trying I to attach so. herself to Sam as possibly a get a getaway from Seamus that's kind of what I'm what I'm wondering well I I was thinking about this and yeah I, I think I think also at the risk of being crude um I also think that this is just 
uh, representation. So you just want to talk, basically, I, I think that you got yeah. two people who live or and operate in a world like this. Even if one of them is considerably younger than the other, and maybe just kind of you know wet behind the ears with it, I feel as though you've got you've got a really high drama tense sort of environment a lot of money on the line mm -hmm. you're meeting and, and and dismissing people regularly always switching locales you know your, your passport stamped all the time you're just meeting people in situations you have a respect already established um, mm. they, they kiss to avoid the cops and then they must have thought hey you know that's all right let's let's just fuck it. well yeah like, I, mean, I, I think that's part of it too i don't think either one of them well, is going to let it was doing it necessarily to earn the the trust no. or to kind of pull the wool over the other's eyes. I just think maybe there was just a physical moment of yeah, this isn't good. I, this isn't going to hurt the movie if they sleep together. No. So why not yeah, let no, it happen? Exactly. No, no. no, and I I agree with you on that too. And that uh, might have been a nod to the James Bond sort of pressures, you know, of yeah. needing to have some romance in here in a in a big action film. I think the, and I the think Mammoth thing... inserted it pretty uh, organically. I'd I'd have to say. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. I mean honestly, like, what are you going to do that? Because if the cop it makes sense like it's not like yeah it's kind of cheesy but at the same time like what else are you going to do in that situation just have two people in trench coats with a map yeah like, exactly on the yeah, side of the road right, like yeah. that's what like because at least if you're making out it would make the cops a little more awkward to like try and be like oh exactly yeah you know so it, it's it good makes spy sense. craft that turned it's, into it's, something else it, i mean it's cheesy but it could work, right? Depending yeah. on the individual that would want, is the cop an introvert? Is he an extrovert? If he's but an introvert. You said it yourself, Jeff, a while ago too, so, that there's so many little glances between the two of them in the, in the establishing moments of the film, uh, enough respect earned that you kind of get the idea that, yeah, okay, then there's already a little bit of foundation mm -hmm. laid here. He's not like yeah. she's going to sleep with Sean Bean's character. She's not going to no. sleep with someone she don't respect. Like, you know, yeah. she's got that, she's got that about her. So, I, I, I took it, I, I didn't think really one way or the other about it. I don't think it added a hell of a lot to the story. I don't no. think it created a romance that we needed to follow. Because the real bromance is you know. Vincent and uh, Sam, oh, in my yeah, opinion. Yeah, I think oh. you're right. I think you're right. 100%. Um, okay, and so okay. as we keep going, um, uh, after that, we have the shootout. And this is where we see uh, Gregor kind of play one of his cards. Uh, and he had a fake case, took it. Took the real one, uh, gave the guys that one, and and uh, GTFO, and obviously tried to kill the rest of the team. Mm -hmm. uh, but Sam noticed that it was spray painted, thought it was a bomb, threw it, blew up, boom. And then obviously here comes sort of like the next phase of the film. Yeah. One thing I want to say, though, is that I feel like this film, it goes pretty quick. It just jumps in, and there's not a, there's not a lot of sort of um, waiting around for things, I find. Like, it just kind of, like... No hand-holding. No, definitely not. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's when we start to see, you know, some of the card the the cards being dealt here. So, and that's interesting. And and everyone kind of felt like, well, Gregor is ex-KGB, so he's got to be a bad guy. <laughs> and then, they, <laughs> you know? yeah, and then in a few more, in a couple of scenes later, they emphasize, yeah, not only is this guy a bad guy or, or someone dubious, he's also, like, an over-the-top, like... I'm gonna go shoot this. I'm gonna shoot this shoot little this girl at a jungle shot. gym. Yeah, like that to me. Like I understand he was GRU or Stasi or whatever he uh, was. He jumped the shark. I, I found that mm -hmm. unbelievable. I found that unbelievable. Yeah. That whole thing. It was unnecessary. And, he didn't. Yeah. He didn't need to. He didn't need to convince 
us at that point. And he, no. so I don't know why he felt the need to convince this other man. I didn't, who, I didn't like that scene. I just felt it didn't, it, it wasn't needed at all. It wasn't. Like, I mean, no. There could have, especially with all the little things they showed in the film, the, the little things they did well. Why would they have to go so over the top? They had like that? a whole slow motion, like thing with a girl coming down the slide and everything. Right. So it's very odd. They were pumping yeah. up like, they had his menace established very subtly all the way through. Skarsgård's presence is very well felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they, didn't, absolutely. they didn't need to push back that. We know this guy was not a person to fuck with, you know? Yeah, and we know he's and, a lunatic. Yeah, there, and there's so many things they could have done with Gregor to emphasize, like, sort of like, you know, he's still in the in the FSB uh, or the KGB or whatever, or just show, or maybe he, like it could have showed him like roll up his sleeve or something and showing like a tattoo of like a special mm-hmm. forces group, whatever, yeah. or a scar. You don't need to show him shooting a girl like in a, in yeah. a jungle gym. Or, like, oh, the, we're, all on, we're all on the same anyways, page with that. We're on the same page. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, he's trying to sell the case off to the guy that yeah. wanted it or whatever, but then he kills the guy because exactly. he knows that Seamus and Deirdre want it, but he also knows that the Russians want it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, and so now that we know that the Russians are, you know, in play, and he's trying to sell it to the Russians, uh, and then they have to go and uh, and then this is uh, I love this scene in uh, in the Arl Amphitheater, which mm. uh, I, I was unfamiliar. Like I didn't even know there was one in that good of shape in France. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like one of the best, like well preserved Roman amphitheaters in the world, I believe. Actually, apparently, I, I the thing is, I like that scene, but I also feel that, that scene is like highly, like I just wouldn't see it happening. Like the amount of uh, collateral damage in that was insane. Yes. <laughs> like, my well, you God. You can say that about the movie by large. Oh, yeah. yeah. There was a lot of collateral damage in the film. But I, I, I like the realism of that, though. Like, it's something you don't see in action movies, you know? Like, they, they hear, well, that's the, true. The person it's on the true. street, when the cars are coming mm-hmm. through, the, like, through the alleys, you know, like, they jump out of the way just in time for the hero to drive by, right? Like, they yeah. always show yeah. you that. But in this movie, like, you know. No. Uh, they get hit. <laughs> yeah. They get or hit. Some, they, or get or hit. they get shot down, yeah. Because it reminds me of that scene, like, in, uh, in uh, the the remake that of a uh, dread where like in, yeah. the opening part, in the opening chase sequence, like the villains, like basically oh, yeah. crash a pedestrian, like he just turns them into goo. Like as he's, they're being chased by the judge or whatever. Right. So yeah, yeah that's right. Just <laughs> that kind of like that collateral damage, at, you know, taking it to the T. Exactly. Um, yeah. But that Earl sequence though, uh, I really found some of the characters, like I really like. I wanted to know more about the, the two guys that yeah. were, were there and that, and the history between him and Vincent. That was really and, good for Vincent's character because you got kind of hints of what his past was about, right? What and, exactly? And, and, and yeah. this is just an example of this film where it's like there's little nuggets that they could extrapolate on, but they don't. <laughs> yeah, this is it's just another example of that. Yeah. Vienna. Ah, uh, yes. Well, sorry to do this. <laughs> mm. Yeah. Or like even Sean Bean's like, do I know you? Like you said that to Sam right off the bat, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You so know? They, 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 yeah, maybe Sam recognized him, but if he had if he had outed that, or sorry, if he had revealed exactly. that he knew him, like maybe Sam recognized yeah. him, wanted him off this job immediately because maybe of his experience did. with exactly. him, and had to exactly. just sort of find a different way to do it. Yeah, exactly. and I think you're right. There's all these little touches that could allow for a backstory, but in the in the lives of an agent, right? Um, and, and, it, and what was it De Niro said there? Like, uh, it's a small world, and he said, not in my experience or something like not that? Not in my experience. Yeah, not in my experience. Here's a crackpot yeah, exactly. theory. Yeah. Here is a crackpot theory. 
since okay. if Sam is CIA all the way through and he yeah. and Spence yeah. were hired by the man in the wheelchair, is it possible that Sean Bean was put in a way to make deliberately like he's working with Sam mm -hmm. as a way to make him look oh. bad so that Sam finds his way into the group uh, like under Deirdre by humiliating Spence? Mm. And Are you saying that what way. if Spence is the man in the wheelchair? Ooh, yeah, possibly. And the reason he's in a wheelchair is because he's got a really bad third-degree burn of coffee on his leg? Is that what it is? <laughs> or, guys, I'm just putting this out there. What if the man in the wheelchair, okay, um, was Blofeld after he got out of the pipe oh. from For Your Eyes Only? <laughs> there you go. And, and, he has a and he has a rocket in his cast? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh. <laughs> now we're talking. Now we're talking crackpot. <laughs> and what if Spence is actually 006? Oh, and is living, hiding out, after he's dismissed from this case, he's hiding out in Cuba Oh. with a big satellite. I think this begs, begs some thought. Yeah. And I, then he I gets would... away, and then he becomes the Lord of Winterfell after that. <laughs> no, that, that's, not, that's not likely, Josh. You're just ridiculous now. I know, I know, You've I know. You've taken know. it too far, Josh. I'm too far, too far, Josh. So far. If, we, if we bring it back... <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, if, if we bring it back <laughs> to the scene in the amphitheater. Yep. Um, so after that whole uh, gunfight and uh, collateral damage, as we were getting off topic about, but still on topic, off topic, it's fine. That's This is how it flows today. Mm -hmm. um, he, uh, Seamus uh, captures Gregor, uh, and within that whole scene, uh, Larry's killed, uh, and uh, so Seamus and Deirdre escape with uh, with Gregor. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so... And, so and I feel bad that Larry kind of just dies there. Uh, you know, but yeah, uh, he died, pretty, I, I didn't feel I, I, it was sad, but I didn't really feel it. I think the movie didn't make me feel it very well. I, I found no, no it that's did, right. Yeah. But also, we just knew him how he was discarded, the, though, was pretty awful. Like, yeah, he was, was discarded by Seamus. Like, that was that was that was terrible. It yeah. made you like automatically hate Seamus. I guess that was the goal uh -huh. of that. I think it's also just it's another example of like how this movie is very cold. Like it's just about like you know the operatives and how this work is. It's just like yeah. this is what happens, right? Like you know, it's, it's and like uh, a better version of that whole like threatening the girl later on in the film. The whole sequence with the sniper on Katarina's yeah. character, and like, and again, collateral damage, like of doing that as opposed like, to that earlier sequence. And in some movies, you know, like you would you would sh you, you might uh, they might like wound the person, right? Yeah. For like, no, they just like, like they don't even, they don't even like show her again. They just like, she's done, you know. No, and they, well, they show her body being carried well, out, like uh, yeah. at the end. You see it covered like in a blanket as they. But I mean, like, yeah. It it, mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, so and this obviously, um, I forgot to mention through the whole shootout in the amphitheater, uh, Sam gets a ricochet uh, under his um, his flak jacket. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so uh, Vince, Hugo uh, Drax. Is, uh, exactly Hugo Drax. So, and this is where we kind of see, uh, you know, Vincent's uh, connections, mm -hmm. and and the whole exposition that wasn't needed, but still a, a fantastic scene. And uh, yeah, you know, can we can we talk about that, Jeff? Oh, absolutely. Can, can, can we just talk about say, that for a minute? Because I feel as though Michael Lonsdale's character, uh, who plays um, Jean, I Philippe, wish he was right? in it more. Jean, I wish. Jean Philippe, yeah. yeah. 
I, I liked yeah. him, but I felt that he was massively underused, not just because Absolutely. he holds the screen really, really well. And I think, you know, in a film like this, after scenes like that, this sort of figure of quietude, this guy, this sort of philosopher dude, this, this you know, this uh, model painting sort of dude who has all the connections and all, all, you know, he can get anything, he can do anything, and he sets up at least three key things here in this story, you know? Yeah. I've got them written down here. Um Anyway, that doesn't ultimately matter, but for the rest no, of the for the falling action right. of the story, he sets up a couple of things that or sorry, yeah, that, that are very that really happen. Yeah. yeah, but I felt he was he was underused. But see this bit, the self surgery and the long winded Ronan story, are the only things that we really hear him do anything in. But are we meant to think that the conversation that Ronan or about the Ronan that he has with De Niro? With Sam, it changes Sam's attitude towards shooting or letting Deirdre go. Is this supposed to be an important inclusion in the film because it changes Sam's attitude so that instead of... But does it change his attitude? That's the question, right? Because That is the question. That's what I'm yeah. asking you. Does it yeah. change what he would have done? Is this a moment of, you know, uh, I don't... of reflection for Sam? Does, does the conversation encourage him to, to change his course of action? I don't really know because you, one thing I just thought of when you said that, and I'm thinking like, you know, when he basically reveals that he's still current CIA, at least mm -hmm. that's what we're supposed to figure out at the very end. When, did you notice sort of like when he leaves uh, the bistro again at the end after having the heart to heart with this song, yeah. his body language changes. Like as soon as he gets in the car, he's kind of like, yeah, let's go. Like he looked over his shoulder like – he like he's he kind of like switched over from like the the heart to heart with Vincent, which I, I do believe. But then he kind of switched over to CIA operative. Let's get the hell out of here. I, I got what I came for or whatever. Like he kind of did that whole switch over. And I just I just saw like when he looked over his shoulder and he kind of had that look, I was like, OK, like, yeah, you know, like it, it's he's back in work mode. So I think that maybe um, I. I don't know. I, do you guys see what I do? You know what I mean by, by yeah. this? M my interpretation is that so if Sam is CIA the whole time through, then if you look at it in that context, he was his aim. His aim was to get Seamus and the case anyways. Yeah. yeah. So that means the conversation that he has with Michael Lonsdale's character with Jean Philippe is more meant for Vincent. The whole idea of the Ronin as opposed it is to Sam yeah. and to Sam, it's kind of because uh, he is still the samurai working for his master, the United States or the CIA or whatever it is, right? So he's still employed in, in yeah. a way. But so Vincent's really, not hearing this. And Vincent's no. not hearing this. But then all of a sudden, the perspective switches to Vincent by the end of the film. And then all of a sudden, he has this like this poignant voiceover that just feels like it was tacked mm -hmm. on at the very end, as if they're trying to like structurally put everything together, you know? But right. um, yeah. it, it's uh, it's hard to say because if cause that, whole, that whole conversation is wasted, Mm -hmm. If Sam wasn't was it if Sam was a Ronin after all, you know what I mean? Well, that's yeah. exactly it, and that's why well, I that's... find it quite strange and, and and not jarring. I don't find it jarring, but I find it juts out there for us to interpret because it's really the only concentrated moment of dialogue that this character played by Michael Lonsdale is given, and it's meant to be different. It's meant to be thoughtful. It's meant to be thematic. But how are we meant to read this 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 chat about the Ronin? It, by which yeah. character? 
and by which characters' actions are we meant to read and interpret the story? That, that I exactly. guess that's what I'm asking. Because and, if and, Sam, no, no, if Sam you're right. isn't CIA, if he was just basically talking to a local contact that he knew mm. to help him get Seamus, if you would interpret it that way, mm -hmm. that he wasn't CIA all along, then it, that then that has that whole sequence has credence. Like it it, it makes sense because he's. Sam is hearing his story, so right. he decides not to run away with the girl. He decides to go after Seamus instead because he's got his sense of honor back. But if he's CIA all along, then he you know, had his honor the whole time. Uh, so he's kind of like he's kind of like uh, you know Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. He has uh, no arc at all the entire movie. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Or yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's maybe why, like, because if Sam is is CIA all the way through, that's probably why at the beginning he was really pushing for the case. So it didn't look like he wanted to know who was in charge. Where the other ones were like, so who who's the guy? Who's the one pulling your strings? Mm -hmm. You know, who who do we who are you reporting to? Where he wanted to see, like, he didn't care that much. Yeah. He just kept asking every day in a different way to see if the answer would be different about the case. Mm -hmm. yeah. So that, that made me think like, well, he probably was here because he, that was the one thing he didn't care about was asking about the man in the wheelchair or who mm -hmm. Seamus was or whatever. And so he was just eventually going to try and, 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 you know, squeeze the, the, the water out of that rock, but in a different way. Does that make sense? Do you it see what I mean? It makes total sense to me. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's confusing, but I think it's intended to be that way. Is what you're saying yeah, makes sense that. to me. I just... I suppose that this is thought-provoking, but I'm just wondering at what cost. Yeah, I mean, exactly, yeah. exactly. Because I mean, we're talking. It's, it's, not, mean, it's in not intrigue. It's almost getting close to your past intrigue. It's you're getting close to frustration a little mm. bit. Uh, yeah, exactly. And again, if, if people have only seen this movie once, you know, yes. this is it's really hard to see all the stuff we're talking yeah, about here. Because well, yeah, Josh yeah. and I have seen this movie many, many, many times. So. Yes. Again, so uh, for our listeners who have only seen it once, if they're watching it for the one time or maybe the second, they're like, yeah. okay, guys, whoa. Yeah. Like, You're like so me. Good. No, no, I think any listeners like that are like <laughs> me. I saw it once and enjoyed it for the spectacle of it. And we'll talk about that in a few moments when we do our, our money pennies. And I've watched it again to study it. But I think that this is a film which warrants more reviewing because there are lots of little things in there you can pick up. And I'm listening to you guys kind of talk about it and I, I'm, I'm I don't think I'm seeing it a lot differently than you I just think I'm looking at it on a more macro level than you guys yeah, and, that, yeah. and that's fine I, and that's, I feel that's that fine. yeah, yeah. That, 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 that's totally cool I understand that interpretation and it's a best, it's a good way to look at it critically in my opinion but do because... we like do we like Drax do we like Michael Lonsdale in this film I think he's great I just wish they yeah. used him more so we got to see him uh, kind of like as a little spider in a web you know who has these connections to different things but we don't get to I see the Russian either who works from the garage so it's, it's very not, similar yeah. isn't it but he he's one of Philippe he's one of uh, Jean-Pierre's guys isn't he I, I believe is it Jean-Pierre yeah. or Jean-Philippe I'm messing uh -huh. that up I can't. Um, I think it's Jean Pierre. Jean, Jean Pierre. Jean -Pierre. Yeah, Jean Pierre. Yeah. I think that he. Here's uh, funny he's though. Quite cool. Uh, as a side note, I think Spielberg definitely saw Ronan because he Emily because he cast Michael Lonsdale as in, a uh, in, in, yeah in Munich yeah. as like that as that uh, intelligence godfather in France yeah. or whatever. Right? Yeah. That was yeah. that. Uh, what's his name? The guy who was Dominic Green in uh, Matthew. Oh, Alvaro, Matthew Alvaro, right? Yeah. 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 Matthew yeah. Mark was. That, that was his father, I believe, in Munich. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. That's, that is correct. And, and Craig was in that movie, too. So. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Oh, yeah. All right, let's yeah, keep chugging along, then, yeah, so let's we can't get to our money penny soon. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Yeah, we can definitely do that. Uh, and so as, as we keep going, um, 
so at this point, uh, Seamus and Deirdre, I think uh, they're torturing Gregor, so he actually would eventually get get the information out of them of who, who he uh, he actually sent the the case to himself. Um, I, and they got that information out of him, but he was also trying to sell it to the Russians, correct? Mm-hmm. And uh, but yeah, so apparently he was going to send the case to himself, and then um, Seamus and him were going to retrieve the case. And so it's interesting, though, with with all that. Like, I, I'm surprised that um, uh, Gregor would, would would give in sort of that quick. I feel like there should have been something else with that, but that's just me. Um, and then I felt with the whole the whole figure skating thing was kind of interesting with the Russians. I I don't know what to think about that, but do you guys have any thoughts on the figure skating? Like the whole I, I don't know. That's where the Russians are. Yeah, I, I think know. that's it. Yeah, I'm. It's After okay. The I mean, they are the lesser. They are the lesser of of the the parties here. You know, you've got the good, the good group. Then you've got the group that had. No, wait a minute. You got the De Niro's group. You've got the Irish group, and you got the Russians. And then you've got Gregor, who's just sort of doing his off thing. So if you look at this as having four components, right? The, yeah. This kind of story of four circulating components looking for this case, then then the Russians are definitely the lesser of the four in terms of screen time and in terms of importance, and even really in terms of pull behind the scenes, right? It feels like the yeah. Irish are far more controlling about this stuff. Absolutely. absolutely. But yes. then you got... Okay, so you've got that thing happening, but I think because of that, it's okay, and I'm not saying it's okay excusable, I just think okay script-wise, to give them just that sort of uh, tropey ice skating, this is where you can find us hanging out thing, you know, because... They're only in it for one key scene, and that key scene has yeah. to take place in a set piece. So why not make the Russian set piece something that the audience can recognize as a yes. figure skating thing? You know, I'm mean, I, I'm okay with that. The same way that it might happen if it was a Canadian group of <laughs> laughing because it would yeah, never exactly. be. Exactly. But it would, ha- it would happen on a curling rink or something, right? Like I get it. I do get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I get why now, the film wanted to do that. Yep. Yeah. Well, we we also we uh, we also glossed over one of the other uh, car chases, but that's okay. Which one was uh, that? Well, which there one was, was the one uh, where yeah, Paris, the, the Paris chase. Yeah, where like uh, basically it go, uh, the car goes over the edge and uh, Gregor and, and escapes. The good Samari- yeah, and the yeah. good Samaritans get uh, Deirdre and Seamus out. I love they that. Do. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, that is an awesome car chase. But you know, I feel as though anybody tuning into our show, listening to this, already knows or and knows a few things about the Ronan car chases. I think. All of yes. us. I mean, yes. it, they're, they're some of the best car chases that have ever been filmed that I've seen. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, Frankenheimer's verisimilitude with all these things that you're saying, bringing in the engine sounds, bringing in the real stunt drivers, the real speed, the real mm. filming, the non-CGI, all of that stuff contributes to a real feeling of, you know, active pursuit in this in this film. And I, and I think that the car chases are, are excellent. And my guess is anybody listening to this doesn't want to hear us go on about the car chases. No. Because, uh, because we, we're just going to say yeah. the same thing that everybody has said, which is that they're fucking awesome. They're centerpieces to yeah. the film. Watch them. You're going to love them. You can rewatch them. They're awesome. End of. You know what I mean? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. The whole Russian uh, like thread that's hanging, though, in that sequence. Yeah. I, if you think about it, if that car chase had ended, with the, with with like basically like a I guess like a, a foot chase immediately afterward, followed by like the ending that like Seamus and Gregor get immediately afterwards, uh, you could have like ended the movie right then and there. But then yes, they got that yeah. whole thread with the Russians. These all have the to whole resolve as the Russians well. exactly because so that's why just, they had to get that well. third that final climax sequence mm-hmm. exactly as, kind of as pat as it was to to, to kind of to end the storylines right. That's what they had to do. 
Exactly. So at, at this point, after that, then you have Sam Vincent. Uh, they find like an identical case, which looks like the, it's used by figure skaters. This is where they figure out that it's probably the Russians. Mm-hmm. Um, and then basically, yeah, this is where Jean Pierre like just randomly is like, oh, by the way, it's the Russians. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Isn't this where he just has a contact? Mm-hmm. And yeah, yeah, the guy that works and, in anyway, the garage. So, yeah. And exactly. the big and the big ad across the street on top of that while he's yeah. well, well now we know very possibly the guy to meet in the garage using proper intelligence sources they probably would have got that information like five seconds later but they still had to show De Niro looking across the street and figure it out for himself before of course they did he got, yeah. he, he got, he yeah. got, he got yeah. the answer plus because we got just, to see that awesome Ferrari yeah, yeah. <sighs> a Ferrari yeah yeah exactly. that, that that was not used as you uh, said. Yes. Uh, <laughs> That was a, that was a probably a good that, thing. A probably a good thing. It probably would have been trashed. It and, and it was also out, out of um, it would have been really weird, wouldn't it? Have seen that yeah. one, that that yeah. particular car in amongst the the darkness of the film, you know, because the film well, is all quite thing. muted colors and stuff. And, and before, there's a yeah. reason for that. They wanted like for the lighting and stuff. He didn't want anyone to have bright clothing, and he it was all dark. Like there was a reason for that. So, yeah, yeah, this is not the south of France that Hitchcock filmed in To Catch no. a Thief. You know, no, no, this no. is uh, this is a dark kind of seasons turning toward winter or maybe coming out of winter type south of France. Yeah, exactly. Kind of gaudy. Exactly. The, the, you know, the establishments haven't been painted yet. You know, the boardwalks no. haven't been polished. You've got a lot of a lot of things that are, are making it quite, quite uh, gray and, and muted. So mm-hmm. as we um, are, you know, crawling across the finish line of this film right now, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. basically, you know, um, through Jean-Pierre's contact, you know, the Russians, there's uh, the night of the performance when they all go. They're watching uh, Mickey and uh, the performance. Uh, Gregor uh, gets uh, gets shot. And uh, and then um, they shoot Natasha. Uh, and, uh, and then this and then everyone runs out. And, there's, and apparently they actually have filmed like 2000 people running out of that. Like it was a big it was a big scene. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> and uh, obviously, uh, you know, Sam and Vincent follow the crowd. Uh, Seamus shoots. Sorry, Seamus shoots Mickey. Uh, and then this is obviously when Sam finds Deirdre in the car. He, then this is when he actually spells the bees, and he's still active CIA. Uh, and he tells but her, is like, he though? Like, is he active well, CIA, or, he, or uh... is, he, is he just going saying, "I'm I got I'm here to I'm here for Seamus. I'm going to restore my honor." You know, like it's not about the case or the principle. I'm here to bring down Seamus because I think this guy is a piece of shit. And I don't want him getting that case. You know what I mean? Uh, I I really believed it. I believed it because we we got to see him go off with Ron Perkins's character. You know, the newspaper yeah, guy at the that, end. That's yeah. what I mean. I, yeah, I believe that he was still CIA, and that that I like to think of it that that's way. That's what I was saying before. Like, uh, even though it was, I mean, obviously it was out of out of sync with the the the, the plot oh, time course, we're yeah, talking yeah. about. But what I was saying is, I noticed sort of how his, uh, you know, his um, his body language change when he got in the car mm-hmm. he kind of yeah. almost did like a sh- like he almost kind of like shook like dust off his shoulders and like readjusted himself and he's like okay Job i'm done. not i'm not sam the That's guy right. in this yeah. thing i'm like you know i'm i'm uh you know i'm i'm rick yeah from long island the uh, cia operative i just got you know i'm done here we go let's go y- kind of yeah <laughs> you know, i don't know uh, what, and, what would your what would your name be like? Say if we all had to choose a name for ourselves, right, to go undercover. What would your undercover name be, Double O Chapman? What would you be? Oh, uh, you know, Craig, good... Craig Craig pretends to be a teacher, right? In in Quantum of Solace with uh, Miss Strawberry Fields. There, what what names do they go by, Mister Mrs. 
Oh. I don't remember I... what name they go by, but I'm just just thinking. Broadchest. Is that what Broadchest? Oh, Broadchest. Oh no 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 that no that, oh, that's the alias he gives. In, no, that's the alias that he gives in um in Casino Royale. I forgot about that's that. That's embarrassing. I've forgotten what they decide to go by. I'm sure our listeners, some of our listeners are shouting out now in disgust. But um, but I'm also wrong. It's what he said in Casino Royale, not okay. in uh, Quantum of Solace. I forget. A, a Somerset. 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 Mr. Yes. Well done. Uh, really. You got it. Probably a nod yeah. to from Much to Have Love. Yes, I think it's it also is. Called yeah. Somerset. Indeed, theory. it would oh, be. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Okay. Well, 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 what would my name be? Yeah, mine, what would your would be name be? Uh, mine would be Billy Haas. Josh Bill, knows. Billy Haas. I like that. Billy Haas. He's a golfer, isn't he? Bill Haas. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, he's just a character that I created when Josh and I were like doing like uh, role playing D and D, and like I, oh, I back I, in the like, day, yeah, back in the day, like I just I always used him. I think yeah, Bill. I think there's, there's some Haas as a golfer. Josh, um, what about you? What's your? Uh, I'd be right what's, what's your name? Um. I, mean, I never really thought about that, to be honest, but uh, hmm, that's a good question. You can come back to it. I got a good one for you. What's that? Because I, I think, you know, looking at you, somebody meets you on the street. Oh, can you help me with this? Or can you give me directions to that? What, what's your name, sir? Oh, my name, Steve Partridge. Steve Partridge? Yeah. I think I you're going to say Alan Partridge. No, no, no. But I deliberately didn't say Alan Partridge. I think Steve Partridge. You could be Alan's okay. brother. Steve Partridge, all right, I'll accept that. Well, it's definitely a nondescript, like, it's the kind of name that I would, like, remember but not remember, so... That's true, yeah. I always I'm thought like, Hector yeah. Boyle was a Steve cool Steve Partridge, name. yeah, isn't he, doesn't he, isn't he in charge of the PTA? You know, like, you know, <laughs> yeah, That's right, yeah. Uh, my name is uh, Simon Templer, by the way, he's never been used before. Oh, there before. you go. It's oh, never of course. Been used yeah, I'd never heard that one before. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Right, onwards uh, we go, sorry. Okay, so that's basically, yeah, and that's, uh, and that, now you know the rest of the story. I'm Simon Templer, I'm Luke Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now let's not get bitter. Come now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so, okay. Basically, after this, um, after the, you see uh, Sam and Vincent uh, meeting up in the restaurant uh, in Montmartre again, you hear uh, a voiceover of the news about what had happened mm -hmm. and also about sort of a peace agreement with Sinn Féin, which obviously... Um, it only sure. happens because, uh, because Seamus is gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, so it is kind of a happy ending as such. And I do like the way yeah, the film yeah. ends where it begins. You got that sort of paralyptical structure. I think that's cool. And oh, that, yeah. that that helps with its simplicity too. And I mean, it's not simple. There's a lot of ambiguity no. in the movie, but I mean simple yeah. in terms of the macro appreciation of, of the structure of the film. I like it. I did like it. I, I, I definitely I definitely enjoyed it. Uh, I still enjoy it. Um, and, and it's it a good fun. film for the bon, for for our three non bonds. I think you've done well. I'm, Both I'm, of I'm you guys have done I'm, well. I'm glad that you uh, you appreciate it like that. I hope I hope our listeners do as well. I'm I'm sorry that so, this yeah. was kind of uh, a bit scatterbrained, but I also feel we had some good conversations. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, we did. Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, obviously, there's other information that we should get into, but I think maybe we should get into our money pennies. Yeah, let's do our money pennies. Our money pennies scoring for Ronan. And I don't think, Jeff, you know, like looking at the way we're each taking the lead on one of these films, I, I, it's kind of nice to do it this way, you know, because Josh and I are very much about our sort of, let's have these sequences prepped and the writing done for I, that. I, and I, I liked doing this sort you of guys, You guys do it well it that breathe. way. I, a, more off the cuff, a more off the cuff kind of way, a more yeah. conversational. That's good. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. 
I, I feel that I'm I'm better at, in that than uh, than the other way, but uh, but it's good that we all kind of have our own way of doing it, and uh, so that uh, this was a refreshing and, and and a fun and a fun sort of dissection of this film. So, so thanks, let's guys. go, let's go to the money pennies, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, we'll give you the last word, seeing as it's your film of choice. Sure. Josh, you want to go first? Yeah. You want to lead on yeah. this? Yeah, so for story, I gave it six out of ten. Uh, as Jeff says, it's a meat and potatoes, a very threadbare plot with a plain yeah. MacGuffin in front. Mm-hmm, I, I, I want to give it maybe a little more, but I feel like just being critical. I think six is I think is because we're doing it, we're breaking everything out of ten. Mm-hmm. Um, and our and the scoring system I think that we have for the Bond films doesn't quite sell how you normally review a film and, and how you feel about it overall. It's true. As well. Yeah. So I think these are just numerical numbers I'm using based on the system. Yeah. That's a good numerical point. numbers. Of course, they're, they're numerical, but what I'm trying yeah. to say is that like, it's, <laughs> a it's a threadbare plot with a MacGuffin, but there is an underlying theme of the Ronin and all of that, and there's a lot of nuances in the story, but it's not really strong, strong like in terms no. of story. It's more strong in character exactly. uh, than it is than it is in story. So I think 6 out of 10 is fair. Uh, uh, like, yeah, like mm-hmm. the theme of the modern Ronin warriors in a post-world, you know, post-post-post-cold world. Yeah, yeah exactly. World. Strong on, on yeah, exactly. going back into like that golden eye kind of the theme that they were talking about. Well, yeah, exactly. And remember, this is 1998, so this is really not that long after you know uh, Russia had uh, you know the perestroika and all that kind of stuff, and the Berlin Wall's only been down for yeah, nine te- te- technically nine years, if you will. Uh, so you know, there's still a lot. You know, a lot of those people that would have been in either uh, you know uh, intelligence agencies, all those different types, east or west, could still be working. Mm-hmm. And yeah. if, and if they were out of work, they would still not be uh, you know too old to not either still know what's going on or maybe do contract work like this kind of thing. So it does make sense, right? Yes. So it, yeah. it's so and that's and again, that's I think also why the name Ronan also kind of works as well. Anyways. Yeah, I, I I feel that way, and then that's a good way to put it for sure. Um, regarding the car chases, like we talked about the car chases, I think enough, and everyone has. That'd be uh, really yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel the movie's foundations. Like we go back to Mission Impossible, how like you know the Palma basically had those action sequences planned out, and then mm-hmm. they kind of built a script around it. I feel like we're kind of in this movie whale too, is they have these car chase set pieces, and then they kind of built the story around them. Yeah. That's the way I feel. Yeah. But that's okay. exactly how it was executed. How heavily people... was how heavily was it storyboarded? Like how heavily I'm I'm looking at this and thinking it must yeah. have been storyboarded to within an inch of its life. Is that the type it of director Franken Frankenstein? I was it about to call him Frankenheimer. <laughs> Frankenheimer. It feels well, he like, definitely uh, storyboarded the the car chases. Yeah, I'll course. tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> sure. It feels the people I think behind the camera they enjoyed making the film, mm-hmm. and were more in love with the aesthetic, the technical aspect, uh, and the human kind of feel is a little weaker or more hollow in mm. in, 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 in uh in execution, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. I think it has a very tepid third act. After they need to it get does. that car chase in there for the Paris oh, sequence. Yeah. Yeah. And as it continues onward with the with the ice rink with the ice rink sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, after the over the top killer child threat, uh the Katarina <laughs> Whip countdown is in just an overdose of callousness. Gregor is evil, yeah. Mickey's evil, Seamus is evil. The sequence after the car chase car crashes and Gregor's escape, mm-hmm. as I said could easily have just been yeah. a foot chase and a showdown yeah. after that, in my opinion. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I give the story a 6 out of 10. 
Um, I think there's stronger aspects to the film that have higher marks. Well, I, you can keep going, Josh, if you want. Like, uh, actually, well, no, Scott, if you want, if you yeah, want. Uh, I'm right with Josh. I, I was at a six out of ten as well for almost exactly the same reasons. So I don't think I need to waste much time on this. I'll just pick up on one thing that Josh said sure. with respect yeah. to the evil, the evil, the evil. It it kind of disappointed me that. That And I think at Bond films, if you think of Casino Royale, where the motivations of the characters aren't just political and aren't just sort of quite as easy to read, I do feel as though this is still very much an American film because you've got this, like, there's a lot of ambiguity in the story apart from the fact that De Niro's guy and his friendships that he trusts, right, because he is the, he's the logos, he's the center of this. Yes. He and his relationships are good. Everybody else around him, evil. And I feel yes. as though if if those lines had been blurred, if we had got a sit down like we do in Heat, we get in Heat that that ambiguity that like you know that that sometimes really works well, where you've got you know if if Seamus had had a sit down at any one point, and we got to see him not as like a rabid Irish terrorist, but instead yeah. a guy who was you know just trying to do his right thing, whereas the yeah, CIA exactly. is trying to do their right thing. I think that we could have had less, we could have had a better character study if the lines of good and evil were more blurred you know i don't know if that's making yeah. any sense to if you they but... had even attempted to make seamus almost like a uh a ronin in, in his own way you know what mm-hmm. i mean like yeah or lashif the way he was desperate you know to do exactly. certain things then i think it would have been more interesting it wouldn't just been america fuck yeah because ultimately this is america fuck yeah right i mean the guy's name is sam for god's sake so <laughs> yeah but that that doesn't that doesn't really detract too much from it. I mean, that did bother me a little bit that the lines of good and evil in this type of world are not good and evil. Every government has its operatives doing what they think is good and best for yeah. it, right? I mean, yeah. of course, there's evil in our world. I'm not saying there isn't. But the Americans could have been as evil and as greedy and as salacious towards oh. this as uh, in the Russians' eyes as anybody else was. So absolutely for this film, that didn't really take too much away. But I I was upset by how little Lonsdale was used and how strange Sean Bean's used. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, Jonathan Price, uh, of, of the Bond alumni here, Jonathan Price steals the show because yeah, Lonsdale yeah. isn't allowed to and Sean Bean is just a strange inclusion. He's just... He's yeah. just He's yeah. there. He's just there to show how clever De Niro is, right? But he honestly exactly. feels like like a like a like a soccer hooligan with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're, <laughs> you're kind of right, man. You're kind of right. Well, Sean Bean's a Sheffield boy, so that makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, sorry, I should say football hooligan. I apologize. Yeah. The underdeveloped themes. Uh, the Ronan thing was still a little bit strange because I'm not sure how to take that one scene that Lonsdale's given. And I know upon repeat viewing, maybe it holds out, it stands out, it echoes, mm. radiates a bit better. But uh, I just thought that that wasn't really clear. Who is the Ronan, you know, really? Because he, right. he hasn't left his work. He, he does have a master, that type of thing. He hasn't been outcast yet. Is it I guess these other like... guys have. <laughs> yeah, yeah, who knows? Thing. Like, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I went six out of 10 with that. Uh, my acting, this was good for me, man. I, I went to a 7.5 for my acting. I really liked the acting. I mean, I didn't love anybody in this film. I, I felt it was kind of real. It just kind of felt good to me. Yeah. I like John It was Renaud. a good ensemble. It was a good ensemble. Well, that's it was a good ensemble, it was a good yeah. ensemble. Mm-hmm. Yeah, So 7.5, I think, you know, represents that um i thought that because the film though was packed with characters they weren't all giving me 
greatness. Do you know what I mean? Like, I no, think yeah, like exactly. it was gr- well, a great you, ensemble. You notice the good ones, and then you also notice yeah. the ones that really aren't too much. You know, like, mm. and it's not because of it's just how they're directed, I think, and, exactly. and how they were written. That's right. Story. You're like, right, Josh. Everyone Absolutely. was capable of doing yep. great stuff in this movie. They just weren't given enough. Like, yeah, I'm sure just if Sean Bean enough. was, exactly if Sean Bean's character was actually like a SAS, SAS man who was mm-hmm. part of the team, like, I'm sure he would have been fine. Yeah. Like, uh, De Niro, he's in his past yeah. at first. But then all of a sudden he's very believable as an old uh-huh. pro. Like he does that very well. It kind of just kind of pulls the pulls the rug yeah. out underneath mm-hmm. in that respect. I, I was, was going to say if Sean if Sean Bean was actually SAS and he was that much of a goof, I'd like to know why. Like yeah, I want to know yeah. the story. Like he got like his buddy like got blown up in front of him and then he just got stuck in the sauce and and he fell out of a helicopter. I don't know something like that that, that mm-hmm. made him lose his edge and then he was just a total like re, you know jackass. Mm-hmm. And again, and even that's though, like. Well, we don't know. It doesn't matter. But it, doesn't, uh, but, it doesn't matter. But it, yeah, it it's uh, it, it resonates yeah. still. It, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, exactly. went, I went seven five. And yeah, so that's fine. Because yeah. 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 exactly what Josh had said, uh, you know, some of these actors really stand out, but the rest of them are just kind of there doing good work. And I think De Niro yeah. could make De Niro can yeah. make a menu interesting if he wants to, you know. Yeah. So uh, his, he can. He does everything even, he does well. So even Stellan Skarsgård, whose character ended up being a really, a really kind of one dimensional in the yeah, end, very much he so. still he still sold it with his menace and his and his charisma. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. So like he went above the what what the character was in the script, in my opinion. Well, because I was excited, like you know, when you first see when you see him grab the coffee mug, like, oh yeah. Yeah, they die hard like okay and yeah. then ah. mm-hmm. <laughs> so atmosphere guys i was an eight i like this atmosphere yeah. a lot even though there's not a lot of variety in the atmosphere i was an I eight think, as well no i think what yeah. the, what we get is quite quite engaging all the muted colors i mean obviously the chases the choreographed yeah. work that the score eh, a lot yeah. of people it's, have, it's i know ham-fisted. the score seems ham-fisted did you know that really goldsmith like was supposed to yep. do it originally yeah. but he backed exactly. it yeah, yeah. Well, it would have been th- great there's to some see that. people that really like it, and then uh, other people were saying that it's kind of mediocre. And, and I'll, I'll be honest, I there's I there's a couple of times that I thought it was good, and I know they were trying to give sort of like I think a Japanese style because of the Ronin title, but it's sometimes that's yeah. Camaro using like a duduk yeah. and, and all that yeah. kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. But overall, I didn't like it. Was the okay. score didn't do a whole didn't do, it, I was like, yeah, it's fine. It was yeah, it was. Fine. It had some it was off there. pieces yeah. that didn't quite match the movie yeah, either, in my exactly. opinion. Like it, it was trying to convey emo- it was like it was trying too hard to yes. bring emotion to the movie when there really wasn't anyone. These were a bunch of callous yeah. sons of bitches yeah. uh, trying to survive and or to get the job done. That's what the movie was about. And I yeah, think I mean, the score should have been more workmanlike in that fashion. It should have been more raw, or it should have been a little mm-hmm. more maybe even like but spotted, more like spotted, post-modern, and more spotted postmodernist almost. You know, like yeah. maybe like synthesizer even, or I don't mm-hmm. know. It's hard to say. Well, I, I don't really care much one way or the other. I know that uh, Ilya uh, Kamiril, right? Kamiril is his name. Ilya Kamiril. He won a he won a Young Hollywood Award for this uh, this being his first breakout score oh, in '99. That's, that, that's good. I mean, that's a good job. But uh, yeah, but it, it was it was okay. It didn't it didn't really uh, it didn't it didn't lift the film and it didn't no. sink the film. It just played no. its part. It, was, it was there. It was yeah. there. Uh, and uh, so if I I'm just gonna have my two cents here. Sure. I, it, what's funny is that I'm exactly on par with both of you fuck off uh, my, you mean the three of us have exactly the same scores six seven uh, five my, and eight uh well six my story is six okay because again the you know it's passable but there's just it's just kind of like there's not much to it right it's more character driven mm-hmm. uh and, and and so again i got you guys we've all talked about this at length about this 
I would have to say quite quite well <laughs> during this episode. So, but yeah, my, I said six for okay. for the story. Yeah, so uh, for acting, acting again, great cast. Um, what, you know it, what what they did was good. It could have been better, but again, that's up to the directing. Like we were saying about all the different characters, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. there's a reason why they act in such a way, so that's fine. I, I gave it eight because again, okay. good good actors and they did what they were supposed to. It could have been better, but it wasn't it wasn't terrible at all and, and we appreciated the characters and how they were portrayed. The atmosphere I gave it seven and a half eight. I couldn't choose <laughs> yeah, so I'm kinda of leaning maybe towards Seven and a half at this point, but the atmosphere is good. Come the thing on, is, join it, us, join us. Fine, <laughs> join, gonna, us, join gonna, the dark side. I'm gonna, all right, I'll say eight, whatever. <laughs> I but, found the atmosphere eight out of ten because of I found it was slick, enthralling editing and cinematography and sound design working together. And it just, as I mentioned, it creates great world building for this movie. It crafts an intriguing world, and regardless how weak the story is and how emotionless everything is, you know, mm-hmm. is despite you know some ham fisted attempts at it with the spore and all of that. Uh, it's a thrill ride through and through until it gets bogged down by what it, you know the faults that it has. Yeah. So you know, you know, however the portrayal of a callous criminal espionage underworld resonates through the film, in its camera work, editing, stunt driving, deadpan, realist acting by all the players. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, uh, it it feels like you know they're you're in this world that they're in. You're inhabiting it with them, and uh, mm-hmm. you're and that's kind of why you're on the you're on the edge of your seat while you're watching it. I agree. I think it's good. Uh, and yeah. and that, yeah. the other thing that was interesting is that it, it entirely took place in France, different locations, and the atmospheres definitely felt different each place they went. Mm-hmm. Which and, is which is a credit, really, to I think is, the setting and the location. Exactly, because the, it's filmed very similarly everywhere they go. And the yes. other basically one thing I was going to mention about uh, I keep wanting to say William Freakin, but Frankenheimer. Um, he, even though he's a native New Yorker, he lived in France for a long time, and he's very. He's he said he's like actually more comfortable filming in France than anywhere else, and that's why he made the film in France. And there isn't a lot of action films that were filmed in France. He had a lot, had a lot of connections there, probably a lot of connections, and, and a yeah. lot of and so that's the French where connections. he was. French connections, yeah, exactly. Right, um, and. Uh, and so that's how he was able to get as and do all the things he could, which a lot of other directors and people like that would not have able, I think, been able to mm-hmm. do what he did for this film or a similar film. Yeah, he might yeah. have had some pull. He might have. Oh, had he some did. Sway, yeah. He did. They were like, "Yeah, no problem." And apparently, yeah. after this film and this style of film, this changed how. Like, because then Paris was like, "Oh, you know what? We want more action films filmed here." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cool. So kind of thing, but, well, guys, uh, our scores come to twenty-one point five for me and Josh. Josh, ooh. I don't know that we've ever seen eye to eye on all components. Uh, it's kind of. It, I, I did. I did have like one of the scores down of a notch, but as I thought about it, I changed it like midway. But mm-hmm. uh, that wasn't until uh, so you know maybe we're slightly it might be off maybe by a skosh, but not mm-hmm. too much. I would. This was good. This was fun. Yeah. And Jeff, uh, I applaud you, sir, for selecting this one. I mean, there's a lot of action films that, that you could have gone for that either of us could have gone for. There's a lot of films that fit in this sort of pseudo Bondian world. The born identity. The sure, born yeah, identity. Yeah, of but, course, of course. Yeah. But this is also fun for Bond fans because you get to see three Bond 
veterans, yeah, three Bond yeah. villains at yeah. work, you know. And I think Jonathan Price and Lonsdale and Sean Bean they each do stuff in the film, but yeah. Sean Bean's a bit wasted. Uh, yeah. And I think Lonsdale's totally wasted because yeah. he really holds the scene it's a cameo, with De Niro really. well. It's a cameo. You're right. So maybe wasted is as unfair of me. And Jonathan Price, I thought was fantastic in this movie. Who was? Yeah. I thought he was. I, I didn't. I wasn't put off by his Irish accent. I thought no. both he no. and it Natasha McElroy. It wasn't bad, yeah. Yeah, no. I thought they both did well. So I would recommend this movie for sure. It was enjoyable. And I think I might even like it a titch more if I watched it again to pick up on some of these nuances, these subtleties that Frankenheimer kind of layers into the film. It's a good movie to watch with a beer, you know, like just sitting having a beer and some snacks, you know, and just, oh, yeah. you know, just enjoying uh, the whole like, uh, uh, I guess the whole experience, I guess you could say the Ronin experience, hmm. because, you know, hmm. like yeah. outside of outside of Bond, you know, our Bond by numbers, bunny painting rankings. I'd probably give it like maybe a B minus to a B uh, as a whole as a movie, I think. Yeah. It's a yeah. movie I enjoy and I love watching, as I said, with a beer. Uh, the car chases are awesome. It's great seeing these badasses do what they do. Uh-huh. The visceral thrill, even with the violence and the cutthroat world that they're in, makes the high stakes, makes it suspenseful. Um, and it's also a technical achievement in action filmmaking part yeah. none. Um, yeah. It has a very thin chassis of a story and character, but it's still a technical achievement. Mm-hmm. The best you can yeah. say about this movie is, and, and I think across the board, is that it's cool. It's a mm. cool freaking movie. It's a cool, mm-hmm. it's a cool yeah. movie, yeah. And I yeah, think costume, is. we didn't talk about costume, apart from saying that the clothing was all very dark and kind of uh, gray and that, black. That was, I, I that was on purpose. Though. Yes, yeah, yeah. And that's like all very much what they like, First you see De Niro, he's walking around like he's like some French guy with like a yeah. Columbo uh, fetish. Yeah. And then afterwards, <laughs> he, he just has like the leather jacket. He's more comfortable, you know, as he gets into the mm. group and doing his mm. thing, right? Yeah, uh, he's looking like a dad on vacation or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I have to know how much sometimes De Niro looks like my own father, so it's just kind of oh, that's weird true. sometimes to be on screen. Yeah, you're right. You guys, you guys, see, Jeff, you talk about your dad looking like Pierce Brosnan. Josh, you yeah. always talk about your dad looking like De Niro. I gotta start. I gotta put someone to my dad now as well. Now, but uh, James Mason. James Mason. I could, yeah. Nah, I, I don't. Bit. I'm not. You're not going to pull me into a James Mason depression on this episode as well. Uh, I, I nice try. try. I know I you tried. tried. <laughs> and it was kind of bad of me to kind of use your father as that way too. I, I didn't mean to do that. I, I, That's all right. Uh, Don't worry about it. I'm sure. Um, I'm, I I'm love sure. your James Mason impression. <laughs> we'll, we'll both get over it. But, <laughs> yeah. but gentlemen, it's uh, sorry, Jeff. What were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say. I just wanted to have a shout out to one of our followers on Instagram uh, who yeah. had uh, made a, a comment about our upcoming episode. E. Uh, e. Slaymaker uh, mm. seems to really enjoy Jonathan Price, so that was yeah. a nice little uh, mention of him uh, in we the comments. So, yeah, it was, so we, you know, we had some Carver and we had Seamus in this. So I also just want to say thank you for uh, your continued support and and yeah. uh, glad you're you know, enjoying what we're dro- doing. Dropping us a line and yeah, thank you. This is great timing, boys. Uh, yeah, and thank you for your support as well. Uh, it's really great timing too. Like. Uh, I just ordered a uh, Ford Escape Uber, so it's going to be here any moment. <laughs> it's not an Audi. It's not a Pichu uh, or a Citroen, but, you know, it's something. It'll be here well, in six minutes. Yeah. Th- that's good. I, I got to say, though, guys, it's it's time now, gentlemen, to trade in your samurai swords, sheath them up, if you will, and take out your crampons, because I'm taking you to the Iger with our next and final three non-bond. Uh, We're going to look at the Iger Sanction by Clint Eastwood, ooh, based on the book nice. by Trevelyan. Oh, he, he, by oh, Trevelyan? Nice. Uh-huh. Yeah, 006? Yeah. Uh, well, no, that, that's his name. That's his, <laughs> the man's name. So Sounds that's good. my selection for the three non-bonds, and I hope that we can have a good chat about that in a few weeks' time. So go away yeah. and uh, see what you think. 
Yeah, for sure. Thanks for Perfect. listening, everybody. And, Thank you very uh, much, you everyone. Check yeah. Instagram or social media. We'll keep up mm-hmm. with that for sure. And uh, let us know what you think about Ronan. Uh, uh, do you find there is a uh, ambiguity with Sam's uh, CIA past or his current yes. career that he probably has in the film? Uh, because he may not actually be CIA. I think it's dubious in my opinion. Hmm. Or do you think... Uh, or do you have any other thoughts on other characters, other motivations? Yeah, do you, do you think uh, Sean Bean's character was wasted? Do you think... Uh, Monster was... Uh, yeah, was let, us, let us... Because uh, he was a day at the jackal. He was just like one of those guys yeah. you want to get for that. Mm-hmm. Just let us know. Let us know. Point. Oh. Yeah. Thanks for listening. And thank you, Jeff, for putting in the work. As always, yes. Josh, it's been a pleasure. And we'll see you guys back here again very soon. Perfect. Thanks, everybody. Take it easy. Mm. Appropriately, sayonara. <laughs> <laughs>